Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Our, Our own, own lives are nothing. nothing. The, the apple is everything. The spirit of the eagle will watch over the future. Where other men blindly follow the truth, remember, nothing is true. Where other men are limited by morality or law, remember, everything is permitted. Trabajamos en la oscuridad para servir a la luz. Somos podcast! Hello! And welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm your guest host this week. That's right, producer Ben. Is taking over the pod. You're looking at us like you're waiting for us to challenge that, but no, it is your podcast this week. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna discuss a really important film in the canon of cinema in general. Mm -hmm. An important work, a contribution (laughs) to media in general. It's one of you keep looking at it. You you got this. You keep on waiting know. for us to yeah, tell yeah. you no. Dive off the building. Okay. <laughs> Do a leap of faith. I'm, oh baby. We're I'm, not stopping you. All right. Well, get on the train cuz here we go. Okay. Assassin's is it, is it train in this Creed. Movie? Right. Now we on this podcast and tell people what podcast this is, Ben. I did already. It's Blank Check with Griffin and David. This is a Blank. podcast about directors filmographies. You know, the kind of guys who have massive, or girls who have massive success. <laughs> guys and gals. Guys and gals uh-huh. have massive success early on in their career mm-hmm. and issued uh, by Hollywood a series of blank checks to make whatever kind of crazy passion products they want. Now, sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. Right. Now, now sometimes on this show, we hand the checkbook to you. In between miniseries, a little palate cleanser, we say, Ben, pick a movie. Yeah. And you tend to pick a movie that you watched on loop when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. And those movies tend to be uh, opportunities uh, to talk about movie stars. They right. tend to be films that are less director-driven. Mm-hmm. Maybe people haven't made very many films, aren't very well-known, but are real vehicles for a sort of seminal movie star to you. And this is kind of one of those movies, even though Fassbender might not be your guy, this is a movie where the blank check was clearly everyone saying Michael Fassbender is a movie star, right? He's going to have some big franchise at some point. Yeah. And he signed on to do an Assassin's Creed movie a while before it got made. Yeah. And he was able to take his favorite weird, moody Australian filmmaker. That's right. Justin Kurzel. Right. And, and look, how, look how moody he looks in this photo He's on his Wikipedia page. Wow. What a grump. That's a frown. But this feels like <laughs> a movie where like Michael Fassbender just threw his weight around and was like, if I'm doing this, you're going to let me make my kind of movie. And yeah. he was very hands-on with very. the whole project. I mean, he was he signed was. on to this thing for like six no, or seven years. You're, right? So, right, you're kind of, yeah, I think it was about five years. Yeah. I think he signed on in like 2012, 13, somewhere He got there. the checkbook and handed it over to Kurzel. And so that's right. You're saying not only is this a Ben's choice in which we get Ben mm-hmm. the checkbook and he gets to write his own check to talk about this right. fucking movie, but also uh, it was there's a blank checky, a whiff of blank checkiness to this one. There is. There a certainly whiff. is. Do you know who Justin Kurzel is married to? Uh, Essie Davis. Yeah. Which I didn't know who's in Mrs. Babadook this herself. film plays the mother. Yeah. You know, she's, okay. um, yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, but, but she's, you know. What were you? What were you? She's thinking? not in it much, but she's yes. she's great. Yeah, but it's a pivotal role. Yeah. 
uh, she she's the lead in the Babadook, and she what the what are those uh, that mystery series? Uh, mystery series. Oh, oh, you mean like that? Like she has like a long running BBC. <laughs> when you said mystery series, uh, it's called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. I yes, believe. I was like a mystery series. Yeah. Like what's this? <laughs> yeah, she's a gr- she's a great. She rules. I love Essie Davis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Recently, I've been making a lot of jokes because my friends are having kids now about like, what if you took your kid to the doctor? And they told you that your kid and, was a Babadook? Yeah. And they were like, everything looks good. We ran all the tests. The only problem is uh, wait, wait, p- positive for Babadook. <laughs> uh, you're going to need to yeah, vomit a bunch of black oil in your basement or whatever happens in that movie. I told you. I took- Have you been picking up any weird picture books? Because uh, that's usually the cause. That's the vector. I told you, my mom hates uh, horror films. Sure. And I dragged her to see The Babadook. And I was just like, you I just did? think you'd really like this. And then she sat there and she like turned to me and she was like, this is like a movie about me raising you. Yes, right. And I was like, oh, right. That's why unconsciously. Like yeah. I was this weird kid who was scared of everything and kept on doing magic tricks in front of the TV. <laughs> Jesus. I would <laughs> and have, she was like, as I've stated on the record, thrown you out the window and said yeah. you walked out by mistake. Yeah, my mom put up with a lot. <laughs> what floor were you on? Were you like on a 11. high floor? Right. <laughs> So you probably had the bars on the way. 11G is in Griffin. Yeah. Yeah, we had bars on the way. You were in apartment 11G? Yeah. Were you in apartment 11G? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's really weird. weird. I mean, different buildings. But yeah, but the, the same city. We both grew up in New York building, City. The, the, yes. Yeah, the, you the, lived in an apartment in New York City your entire childhood. I, I lived on, on 89th Street uh, when I was a little, you know, the apartment my mom had lived in since right, when you she were moved to a New little York. kid and then when um, you were an older kid and then through the rest of your in life. In 1973. Right. And, uh, and she... Uh, yeah, we were in apartment 11G. That's just funny. That's nuts. Yeah, that's really I feel fair. very Crazy. defined by like 11G. I know. I, I still, I have, when I when I moved out, I took down the 11th floor like sign that was yeah. posted in the hallway. And yeah. I still have it. And of course, Ben, the sign on your door said, condemn, do not enter. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> very good. Very good. Stay off porch. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you? Uh, I've had too many trips to LA recently. Mm. Do you know that La La Land? Uh, La La Land itself, uh, a city I like about as much as I like that movie. Um, <laughs> wow, I like I like La La Land. No, you know what? And I like to visit LA once in a while. I'm being too harsh. I I don't hate La La Land the movie. <laughs> I do think I like that movie less than most people because it reminds me of the city. Wow. I think that's Rude. I think that's the more fair. And yet I know some Angelinos who hate that movie because it doesn't remind them of the city. Yeah, well, those people are being dishonest with themselves. (laughs) Ouch. There's a thing in, like, L.A., if you go to, like, almost any place, there's, like, a little sign outside the door Mm. that says, like, note, uh, the air and water in California may cause cancer. Oh. It's, like, statute, like, 2-7, water, due to test, da-da-da-da. Like, there's that plaque. Because my girlfriend and I went to a Starbucks, and she was like, wait a second, what the fuck does this sign say? It's saying, like, hey, we waive any, like, liability if this coffee gives you cancer. (laughs) And she was God. like, why is this Starbucks telling me there might be cancer in the coffee? And we looked up and it's like, oh, no, like all businesses and hotels are legally required to say yeah. that the air and water and the radioactive waste in California may, may give you a little, just a little bit of cancer. A little, a little touch of the, yeah. of the cancer. A little touch of the Boba Duck. Anyway, uh, yeah, ben, this Assassin's is your Creed. Okay, so I never played the game. You're not a gamer. I'm not a gamer. You're not a gamer at all? You've no. asked us a well, couple I mean, times in the last couple of years, like, yeah. should I get into gaming? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I fell off after 64. That was your system. That was my last system. Okay. I would right. say. You're a Goldeneye guy? Yeah. That was yeah. your Who one. Who was your character? Right. Um, uh, who was the uh, little 
You played odd job? Yes. That's not cool. You can't odd job. It's Why? Because he's so short. Yeah, you can't, that's you the can't whole shoot thing. Odd job was short? Yeah. In, in um, Goldeneye. Yeah, because wasn't he a big guy in the movie? In the movie, he is not particularly diminutive. I think right. he's supposed to be a little smaller because the whole point is it's sort of like, well, this guy seems unthreatening. He's dressed like a butler, you right. know, and then he. But he's, he's certainly, I mean, he's thick. Well, that's the thing. He is so, chunky. I've been rewatching. Thick. He's a chunky boy. He's, he's chunky. He's a big chungus. There is no question that he's a big chungus. I mean, chungus. Ben says little guy playable in Goldeneye, and I'm racking in my head right here going like, was Hervé Villachez a playable character in Goldeneye? <laughs> like, what little guy? Uh, but no, in Goldeneye, he is um, Very small. a little shorter, which yeah. makes him harder to shoot because you have to sort of like aim down a little bit. Whereas yeah. Jaws is the worst character to play because he's very tall. And, right. Uh, and you and could just get him right in the yeah, head. He's he's real simple. Does he throw the hat or does he just fire a gun? And go no, on? you know, in Goldeneye, the multiplayer is very simple. It's just like a skin. You know, right. Like, you know, and you're really just seeing the arm. I played it, but it was, it was like not a game that had I a big imprint on me. Mm-hmm. Like. Because we were like a Nintendo 64 family. We didn't have a video game system forever. Right. It was like years of like James and I filibustering. Sure. To get a system in the house. And so like I have a lot of N64 nostalgia. And it took me like 10 years to realize like, oh, that was the game for everyone else. Right. Blitz was great. You're not really a shooter. You. I'm not a shooter. I don't like shooting games. I don't like that kind of. Right. So Assassin's Creed, you've never played in your life. No, not there. And there's like four billion of those games. They right. release like two a year. Yeah, because the whole thing is it's like sort of somewhat stealthy. Right, uh, a lot of stabbing. Right, you do a lot of stabbing, and then they can kind of just like do a new version every time, set in another like historical say, like, period. Like they do like proper sequels, but then they also do they like do sort, sort of like Vice City style. Exactly. Like here's a reskinning. It's the same game engine, but now it's pirates or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, they've done a pirate one. They did like an American Revolutionary War one. Right. They've done many, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Rome. Right. They did a Lehman Brothers one. I think. <laughs> I'm trying. I actually want to come with the jokes today because the one with um, you know, the one in this is is original to this film. Right. Which there's I, not like right. a conquistador one. Like there's not a, a Spanish Inquisition one. Because did Ubisoft fully self finance this movie? Uh, let's look it up. The, Ubisoft in the early 2010s was like, we know that everyone else is fucked up making video game movies, and we think the reason why they fucked up is because they handed off to studios. And the game developers themselves didn't have any involvement. And they announced a slate of like 15 films. They sold the rights off to like a thousand places. Because around this same time, they announced that Tom Hardy is going to do, uh, uh, what's the Tom Clancy game? Uh, Rainbow Six? Yes. Yeah. Right. That's one of them. Right. The Division as well. I think it was Rainbow Six. Because Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to do The Division. The Division. Yeah. But they announced like, Tom Hardy's doing Rainbow Six. Like, we're getting all the guys who are like the next big movie stars the respected actors who haven't gotten their own big franchise yet, and we're attaching them, and we're attaching big directors, and we're making all these films. They, they fucking, like, set up, like, Just Dance at Lionsgate. Sure. The, like, sub-dance-dance dance revolution game. <laughs> like, they were just, like, setting everything up. And then this was their first big one, and for years they were like, we're taking our time because we're going to get it right, yeah. and we're not just going to adapt the game. We're going to make a totally original story. Right. That is set within the universe, and so it's it doesn't overlap with the game itself. And they brought on in in 2012 mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender, who at yep. that point I guess is probably mostly still just the guy from Inglorious Bastards. Had right. the first X Men come out, maybe yes. first class had come out. Yes, so he had a little bit of a first class bit was of eleven. Yeah, yeah, but right, he was kind of tapped. I remember reading yeah, this like Terry 11. Gilliam interview in 2010, where he was like, "You go into financing meetings now, and they say." 
yeah. you need a hard bender in your movie. And the interviewer said, what's a hard bender? He said, they either want Tom Hardy or Michael Fassbender. Those are the two guys. Sort of like English guys with some grit. I mean, Fassbender's Irish. but yeah, Right. And yeah, you're yeah. like, they're serious actors, but they have movie British, star qualities. Yeah. And it feels like they're going to be the, the next big dudes. And they're still kind of cheap. Um, right. Oh. Yeah, that was the other thing. They're pretty cheap. They're still pretty cheap. That's and one reason he was in Steve Jobs as right. well. It was like, yeah, he's affordable. Because Christian but, Bale passed and yeah. DiCaprio passed. Yeah. Those and, were pricey right. guys. Sony wouldn't make it at the budget they wanted. And they were like, we can get Fastbender for like a million? A lot less. Right. Um, but they like these two guys have integrity. They haven't sold out. Sure. They paid their dues. They're yeah. handsome. Art they're charismatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're imposing physical presences. Like, get them get a franchise. And so it felt like, oh, this is like what, both Hardy and Fastbender are going to do these video game movies. The Hardy one, he never seems to talk about in interviews. It seems to have fallen by the wayside. The Fastbender was always— What was the Hardy one going to be? Rainbow Six. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he, like, at this time, Fastbender, anytime he's promoting anything, is like— Can't wait to do that And one. we're working to get it right. Like, I really think there's an opportunity here to do something with it. He produced. It's a weird movie. I don't think it's what people think we're making. And um, he makes this the foggiest movie ever made. Justin Kurzel's Macbeth. It's real fog. Which have you seen that? No. no. You should watch it. I know. Okay. I know. It's got a similar uh, visual vibe to this movie, right? Right. You, you've seen it. Uh, yes. And it also has Marion Cotillard as right. Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Right. But it's like you know Fassbender and Cotillard and like Patty Considine. Sure. Love him. Um, like all these great actors, and it's uh. It's like very foggy and moody and like whispery and intense sure. and dirty like this. Kind of dirty battle scene. Right. And yeah. it's just like this is a more visceral Shakespeare movie than I've ever seen anyone make. And it's one of those movies that is so aesthetically tight without feeling hermetic. Okay. Uh, and I, I saw it with a friend of mine, future guest, Jordan Fish. Or at this point, he'll have been a past guest. And yes, we walked guest. out of it and I was like, that guy is doing Assassin's Creed next. Like and they were basically like to assassins. To, they were very close together, I think. Right, and I was like, if if that guy can make a hundred million dollar blockbuster that looks like that, he might finally break the the notion of the video game curse. And here's here's what happened. They cast Marion, right? Yeah. They initially cast Alicia Vikander as well as the um the, the uh, female the, the assassin. lady assassin, mm-hmm. and she dropped out to do Jason Bourne, right? Which is sort of like a lateral move, I suppose. Like I don't know, I don't really know if she would have gained anything from that. And were Fassbender and her together at this time? Uh, that's a great question because right? they are now married. Yes, uh, they got married two years later. I think they got together on making on, the light between yeah. oceans, which is the year after. Right. So they could have fallen in love wow. a year earlier, but yeah. uh, they had to wait for that light, that ocean light. Yeah. What's between it? I don't fucking know. They were two ships um, in the night looking for the light. So instead they the cast a Yorgos Lanthimos's wife, Ariane Labed. They're married? They're married. I did not know that. She's in Alps. She's in she, The Lobster. I, I believe she was one of my uh, blankie picks for Best Supporting Actress that year, The Lobster. Uh, right. Um, I she, think she was. I certainly intended to nominate her. Well, no, wait, wait. Yeah. yeah. For The Lobster, she's the maid. She's the maid. She's yes. incredible in that she, No, She's a great actress. Yeah. Um, and so they cast her instead. She's right. fun in this. She has, you know, a, a mostly hooded performance. Right. But if you're in the assassin part, you know, right. it's a lot, lot of hood wearing. But putting Not a lot like, of face. When they announced having. that like uh, Jeremy Irons and Charlotte Rampling were in this movie, you're like, those people don't do movies like this. Um, well, right. But I think the pitch to Irons is probably like, look, you come to this set for three weeks, you have some shadowy conversations, then you leave. See, I think the pitch to all these people 
was we're somehow going to make a hundred and fifteen million dollar art movie. Yeah, and it's like they're letting us assembled here, right? Right. We've got good actors. We've got an interesting director. Right. Right. Yeah. You'll have to talk about an apple from time to time. Rampling will do anything. Do you remember? I mean, when Rampling and Marion Cotillard are on the same conspiracy theory board, probably anyway, right? Like that French actress conspiracy (sighs) theory board. I just want to get this in the open to start. Marion Cotillard believes this film is real, right? Yes. She believes the Knights Templar control everything. There's just no question. I mean, that's how they got her to sign on to the film where they said, hey, we're doing a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the Knights Templar, you know, and she's like, of course. Right. They have been in battle with the assassins for a thousand years. <laughs> the apple, the, la manzana. Right. She kept on wondering why they referred to it as a fictional film. Um, yes. No, but she thought she was just recording uh, talking head testimonials. Yeah. And they just cut around her uh, bowfinger style. Yeah. Um, no, when Infinity War came out yeah. and people were like, it's like a fucking experimental art film disguised as a superhero movie. Right. This is actually like an experimental art film disguised as a $125 million video game adaptation. Right, but when it came out, I think what you're interpreting is experimental, which I think is fair. Yeah. Most people just interpreted it as confusing and forgettable. Right, right? And I Like think that was sort of the, the hit on this That movie. was the crazy thing was I feel like most critics responded to this like it was one of the Resident Evil movies, which you and I both agree don't get enough credit. But you understand why it's easier to discount something like Resident Evil. And they were just like, I don't know. It's like one of these like complicated like video game things. I can't understand what's going on. And it's like, first of all, I don't understand how like, you know, less than 10% of critics made any mention of the fact that this movie is aesthetically gorgeous. Well. Doesn't look like any film of this size. The sequences are all so well Great. done. And it's like super patient. Yeah. How did you watch this movie, I want to ask? I watched it on Apple TV. Okay, right. Because yeah. I watched. All right, so. My story with Assassin's Creed. Yeah. We'll get to yours, which I'm sure is detailed. Well, uh, you're going to have to run down each of the 15 times right, you've exactly. watched this film. Yeah, uh, and what I was on. I, yeah. did, I did not see this film at any kind of press screening. I assume if it was screened for press, it was probably not at like a lot of screenings. this came out Christmas Day? came out Christmas Day, and there's always that one movie in the Christmas mix Right. That you can feel like the studio is just like, let's just sneak it we in don't there know and what not do. tell anyone right. about it. Like, you know. Um, so if it was screened for the press, I, I was not invited or I didn't attend. And you play the games? No, I no, mean, I really. played them, but played. I don't really play okay. them. Um, and uh, so instead, on like Christmas Eve or something, mm-hmm. like some random day, Joey and I, my brother, yeah. just were like, fuck it. I mean, let's catch Assassin. Let's get, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of movie that you and Joey see together. Exactly. And we just went to the Regal Court Street. Right. You know, saw it with like two or three other people. Yeah. And uh, I just remember it looking like a mess. Like, it was probably like, the projection probably wasn't great. It may have been dark. And I just remember being like, I don't even fucking know what's going on in this movie. Like, any sequence that's dark. Yeah. I struggled. Don't you think it was kind of the same thing, though, that happened with Solo? Solo we're like, sure, we just, saw Solo like, in really good projection. It's purposefully underlit. And right. so if you're not projecting it well, it's just going to be so dark. But you start to wonder, like, is there a method to the madness of all the Marvel yeah. movies looking so bland? Because he shoots, like Kevin Feige makes sure to shoot and color balance them in a way yeah. where you can't really misproject them. Right. Whereas when, like, a big tentpole film like this goes out on a limb and, like, has an, a weird, interesting, like, you know, color palette right. and, like, shadow scheme and everything that then most people are like, it just looks like mud. Like, I can't see it. Right. But then, yeah. for this episode, I purchased this film yeah. in 4K. Yeah, I rented it in 4K on my yes. Apple TV. 
And uh, it looks I gotta incredible. say, it looks terrific. Unbelievable. It, I, I, I now have like, you know, the pro- I've got a 4K TV yeah. and a player, so it like, it can make it look all fancy, yeah. but it looks great. Uh, uh, like incredible. Yeah. 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 Like, this film should have been nominated for, like, every, like, craft category at the Academy Awards. Like, <laughs> like this should have been nominated for cinematography, for art direction, for costumes. Yeah. Now, I'll say this. I got a lot of aesthetic pleasure from this movie. Yeah. And I got a lot of excitement from just, like, wow, they're really, like, somehow, no cooks in the kitchen. I don't know if it's because Ubisoft took the control of this movie and they hadn't made movies before. Or if everyone was so desperate to overcome the, like, video game ghetto that they were like, let's go as hoity-toity as we can. Right. Because we, you know, want to try to prove that you can make one of these movies with some intelligence. Yeah. Um, So all of that was exciting to me. I could not get my head around the plot of this movie. And the two other films that I, like, compare it to are Primer and uh, Soderbergh's Haywire. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I think this thing is well made. I, I don't know whether I understand anything that's happening. By the end of Assassin's Creed, I will say, I felt like I retrospectively got it a little bit more than with either of those films. With both of those films, I'm like, maybe if I watch this four more times, I could untangle it. I'm not unhappy watching this because I think it's well made, but I just don't know what's going on a scene-to-scene basis. Assassin's Creed, I finally sort of got on a, on a basic level by the end of it. But because it's so aesthetically pleasing, I'm like, fuck, I might watch this two more times. Like, I see what Ben's getting at. Yes, I will say. Because there's a lot to dig into in this I only thing. saw it, the, you know, I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Was kind of like, you kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. Second time on, you know, my rewatch, I was kind of like, I'm beginning to grasp yeah. the, the spine of this thing. Right, the spine. I'm still going to need right. Ben to maybe lay some details out yeah. for me. Uh, I assume you've seen this film more than anyone, including like Michael Fassbender and his family. <laughs> yeah, like, 100%. Right. <laughs> He's seen this more than the editor of this film has seen this movie. Right. No, but don't you think there's a thing too with like when critics reviewed it that they were just like, I don't know, I haven't played the games. I don't understand what's going on here. Like they assumed because the film is so dense and kind of obtuse that it was because they didn't get it because they hadn't played the games rather than that it's a movie that you have to kind of work with. Yeah. You know? Like, I remember seeing the Warcraft movie with my friend who's a big, like, wow person. Okay. And he kept on leaning over to me being like, that's a thing from the games. No, but— but the, This movie doesn't do that. This movie doesn't that's do that. That's my but point. The, but the Warcraft movie's insane because it's a prequel to the right. games. Like, it's right. so deep in the lore. And that, this is a little deep in the lore, too, I think. But, but that's like, my point yeah. is that World of Warcraft, it's like kind of like these things don't have any meaning to you unless you understand their power in relation to what the games later do. Yeah. Whereas this movie, everything that's confusing about it isn't any more clear if you've played the games. Yeah. Because it's like spinning its own wheel entirely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, from what I understand, the games are a lot less based in the machinations of the animus than this is, right? <sighs> like, well, the games are more just kind of playing the thing with that as, like, the basic superstructure. Yes, although I do think you switch... It, it's got the animus, and it's got the idea of genetic memories. Yeah. And you do... I think you do do some playing in, like, the real world. But but it's It has like, that whole concept. It's, but is the ratio... I mean, because this movie is, like, 70% animus, 30%, like, the actual... It's it's seventy percent real world, thirty yes. percent in the animus. Yeah, I would and I feel maybe like the push you to sixty five, thirty five. Sure, tops. But the game is maybe flipped from that. Correct, I think so. Yeah, this also is one of those video game movies, like when people say like Edge of Tomorrow is the best video game movie because it's one of the few right. movies that understands 
this sort of storytelling, the advantages of, of having to replay something over and over again. Right. This movie kind of does the same thing because it's sort of a movie about playing a video game. Well, okay. That's why I love this. Which movie. is what's interesting. It's and we're gonna dig into that. Yeah. But now I think Ben should yeah. talk because Ben right. Ben Ben, because we want to know your I, journey. I, I okay. cannot run through the plot of this film. It's, this is also one of those things where you you didn't just like sit down with us and say, like, opening weekend, I saw that and I loved it. Like you've sort of crept up on us with this news that this is one of your most watched films. Yes. You know what I mean? Because every You'll other, sort of sprinkle yeah. that in. Every other Ben's choice is like, I've seen this movie 15 times starting when I was nine. Mm -hmm. And this one is like, you know, guys, I've seen this movie 15 times in the 18 months since it went up on HBO <laughs> right, Go. Right. That's the thing. It's it's a recent movie. Like, What's it? Four years? Two, three right. year, years? One, three out, of, one yeah. out of every five records before we record, you go like, I watched Creed again last <laughs> night. And we're like, the... Kugler Creed? The, the, the great Kugler movie? Right. And no, you were like, no, no, Assassin's Creed. You just keep. AC. Right. I just I had to come, keep coming back for more. When you can't fall asleep. Yeah. You watch this movie. Yep. This became. So, all right. I, I saw it on HBO. <laughs> yeah. And so you I didn't was, see it in theaters. Did not see it in theaters. Yeah. I was very hungover. I remember the day. I my uh, Harvest Bowl. Right. It was something. Ugh. ugh. It was something that you very much watched because it was on, not something you actively sought out, not something you were in any way interested yeah. in when it came out in you theaters. You didn't care about the games. Yeah. No, I just, I Did was. Did you care about Fastbender? Like, I'm trying no. to even wonder yeah, what. You're kind of indifferent to I, him. So you were just kind of like, Assassin's Creed must be stupid. It was literally just on. I straight right. up was like, Assassins are cool. Okay. Yeah. Play. <laughs> yeah. Play. Okay. And, and you said that into your remote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just started. Yeah, right. I didn't uh, know what you were talking about. Right, and Siri was like, I got you. <laughs> the algorithm was like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Of course. <laughs> There's one movie in particular. You could either see uh, Assassins or Assassin's Creed, and yeah. I'll tell you, you don't want to see Assassins. <laughs> and I started sort of half-watching it, and then yeah. I found myself just drawn into yeah. the the um, the time travel or going back sure. in time, those like sequences. Yeah. I like loved it because, it, A, I was just like, I don't even know what this time period of the world was like at all. Sure. Like, I've never seen anyone do something about the 1500s. Yeah. So I was kind of like, all right, this is weird. This is a weird take. And you like dirty stuff. I mean, this is one of those period movies where it's like you get the sense of how like difficult those times actually were. Yeah. Like it doesn't look hermetically recreated. It's like this is a movie that looks like it has gangrene. Yeah. Right? You know? Like, you're just like, God, this time must have smelt awful. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, so you're right. To get it's around a stinky so looking violent. movie. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm just assuming you reacted to this. I react to this very strongly. Mm -hmm. When I went to see this with Joey, I was kind of like, Ehrlich had given it a good review. Ehrlich it was a little bit like, of. To his credit, one of the Matt, only people who was like, this is the best video game movie ever made. And yes. I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. Right. And, He's and, like, this genuinely is an interesting movie. Uh, Matt Singer had also said, you know, expressed uh, yeah. a claim for it. And like when that opening card comes up and it's like for centuries, man has hunted yeah. for the apple right. of Eden. I'm like, excuse me. Right. Hello. That's the craziest thing. So like, A, this movie is like a meta narrative about the experience of playing video games. Right. And B, this movie is about trying to find the cure for violence. Uh, and maybe free will. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all sort of tied up in video gaming. And the, if anything, this movie doesn't have enough Apple talk. Like, no. I want a lot of Apple talk. I want less. Mm. I want more roof sliding. We're in, we're in a fight right now. You know that whole... Because you like wanted. rules, and I don't yeah, want oh. more rules. But, like, I when they have more... a fucking Apple at the end, I'm like, 
what's the apple? Like, yeah. Tell me what it is. <laughs> they, it's, they the, kind it's, of the, pre- it's God's apple. All right. <laughs> they sort of hinted in an ancient alien scenario, right? They sort of say like some long lost civilization may have given us this apple. So you think, I, I did not pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Cotillard says in one of her info You dumps, think the movie is implying that what we perceive to be the apple from the Garden of Eden was actually an alien apple and yeah. we've converted it into that story over right. generations. Yeah. Like the Bible is like, like symbolic. Yeah, right. right. right, right. Okay. You so know. the apple does is imbued with like some weird science. Possibly. But, but I also think the movie could be about literally trying to like get back to like God's perfect world. Like, I don't think this movie necessarily doesn't believe in a literal God and a literal garden of evil, you know? I mean, it's like, these are, that's the other thing. This movie is like leaving it open to interpretation. It certainly is. And also to sequels that right. will never come. But you go Why? like. Why? Uh, poor box office. Yes. Well, this episode is going to change that. Yeah. This might be the first movie that actually ends up making a profit solely from Ben rewatching it. <laughs> if you keep at it for another fifteen years, they might eventually. You're gonna like run go for into the black. Governor I'm gonna direct it. Yeah, you're gonna direct it. Right. You'll be like the state film should be Assassin's Creed. Right. <laughs> you're gonna revitalize the New Jersey economy by getting them to commit to making a two hundred million dollars Assassin's Creed sequel shot entirely in Jersey City. Uh, yeah, Asbury Park, maybe. Yeah. You know, he could, he could go to the. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, so you watch it on H- Hippogo. HBO. Hippogo? Yep, I do. And then I find myself then a week later doing it again. Right. And Almost again, as if and you again. lost your free will. And you would say, controlled this by was, some kind of animus or this, genetic memory. This was one of those movies for you where, like, much like Wreck It Ralph, although this becomes more regular rotation, like, while you're in a relationship, when you can't sleep at night and your girlfriend's asleep and you're like, fuck, I got to do something, you start watching this relentlessly. Yep. Throw on the creed. Yep. Right. Throw on the creed right. and just start relaxing. Yeah. What's, that, what's that for you recently? <laughs> for me recently? That's a good. I mean, Taxi was working that way for a while. Mm-hmm. I've been going down weird rabbit holes. Uh, uh, I've been doesn't sound good. No, uh, you know what I've been watching a lot lately. I don't. Uh, Hot ones. Don't know what that is. Do you watch Hot ones? Nope. Hot ones. I'm like starting to think like, is this the best TV show anyone's ever made? What? It's, it's like the one good show on YouTube. Okay, right. And I have not really ever um, dove into that. Me the, neither. The and YouTube. this is like I'm all in on it. Hot ones. Is this guy Sean Evans, and he interviews like big people. But at the table, and it's like a Charlie Rose style. Oh, and style, they're eating like, like um, chicken wings or they something. Got 10 I chicken am wings aware of this. Of increasing hot sauces, like right. increasing spiciness. And he's a really good interviewer. Sure. He's one of those guys where it's like he's clearly not someone who trained to be an on camera personality. So he seems kind of stilted at first, but he clearly does all his own research and asks people really good questions. And it's like Natalie Portman comes in, wow. or like Gordon Ramsay, or oh, all There's the a lot of these. Huge How long people. are they? Like 20 to 30 minutes. Like they're full-sized things, but it's a really good interview show. And then the other incredible thing is as they start, like the first three wings, everyone makes it through. Right, 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 right. right. And then like four through six are kind of tough. And then seven through 10, they're losing their mind. And it's just like, he's destroying. Shaq on this recently? Shaq was incredible Because Shaq can't handle spicy food. No. He talks about that. He's like tearing down the wall of like the carefully manufactured personas that all these public celebrities have. And that's a way to do it. You're you're making them physically vulnerable. Right. And they're just like physically vulnerable, like crying, trying to answer these questions honestly, that are actually pretty deep, insightful questions. 
or or just he's done his research of things that no one ever thinks about. Um, it's it's really good. The Shack one's incredible. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, I've been watching that a lot. It relaxes me. Okay, that, I like that. Actually, I'm going to yeah. take that recommendation. And yeah. I didn't even realize that this movie had become a thing. I mean, For now you. my ex, my ex at one point was like, yeah. you're fucking watching this stupid assassin movie again? I'm yeah. like, I guess you're right. I am. How yeah. many times have I watched this? Oh, like more than 10 times in the last three months? It's almost like you don't have wow. free will. Like you're destined to repeat the cycle of I watching this that movie. I joke. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. twice as nice the second time. It's okay. I stole your um, Jupiter Ascending. You did. Joke, so that's payback. Yeah. So, okay, so let's get this back on track. Sure. So I was sort of just mentioning it over the, I don't know. Ben's doing currently a sort of a pinch of salt. Yeah, uh, pinch gesture. of salt. I started to mention it, just kind of peppering it out right. to the boys. And eventually I was like, hey, you know what? We got room on the sketch. Can I do uh, maybe a bench choice? We had, we had vaguely penciled in uh, uh, King Ralph for right. a while. King Ralph right. is the sort of like episode that will never come. Right. Mm-hmm. We're always like, well, we could do King Ralph there. Right. Yeah. And at a certain point, all three of us were just like, we should just do the Creed, right? I mean, yeah. it feels like we're avoiding the obvious. And King Ralph is in the vibe of things we've done with you already, like Fletch. Yeah. You know, 80s comedies. Right. Uh, or early, you know, that, that um, this is not in that. This so. is new no. territory. Yeah, this is this new is territory. This is very new territory. This is dark territory. This is very dark territory. It's real dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dusty. The dark and dusty. Yeah. But good. I do think it's good. I do. I think it's good too. I think it's good. It's, think, it's an yeah. unusual yeah. thing. Yes. And that's what I think. Yeah. I, I don't know why I've just gravitated to it. Maybe because of that. It's just to me, even watching it now, I, I watched it twice yeah. before recording this episode recently. And it's just, it's such a strange look into maybe right. what films could be in the well, future kind of thing. Right, like, right. And, and there is this aspect of just like, so many of these films over this size are so micromanaged as part sure. of like brand silos that if you see something that has like 20% personality in it, you're like, this one's really good. Yeah. And then this movie, you're just like, it feels like no one fucked with this. Yeah, it does. It feels like they developed a script that you can see how this script could be made into a more conventional movie. Right. And Fastbender was like, if we use this script, you're cool with me hiring my people and we can do whatever the fuck we want. And they were like, yeah. And then they made a really big, really expensive, really slowly paced movie about like cycles of violence. Yeah. That kind of doesn't go anywhere. No. Like, it's, it's much like Warcraft, in, in fact. Right. It's sort of a lot of setup for future shit. Like, yeah. I mean, you know. The, the assassins do gather at the end. But you watch something like Warcraft and you're like, this movie is failing to pull off like Lord of the Rings. At 100%. And you watch this movie and you're like, this movie is pulling off whatever it's trying this to do. This movie is pulling off question mark, question mark, question right. mark, question mark. Right. Yes. Like yeah. the struggle with this movie is can you get on the wavelength of what this movie is doing? But I have no doubt that this movie is like entirely the execution of what everyone intended to make. I think you're right. Um, I've, and certainly there was never any like Fassbender giving interviews later where he was like, that movie got taken away from us no. or anything like that. Like, no. no I he think was like involved in post-production. All of it. Yeah. He was like start to finish on this project. Yeah. Um, at the same time, well, I guess, well, certainly Kurzel has not made another movie. He's doing a Ned Kelly gang movie now. It, but that's in sort of like TBA status, yeah. isn't it? Like, I, I don't know what's but up I with that. I think he'll movie. go back to doing another yeah. small Maybe Australian Australia. movie. Yeah. Fassbender, I guess, you This know. is the start of a bad run for Fassbender. Or not the start, it's kind of the middle of it. 
Yeah. Fast, the story of Fassbender's career is very much like he has the X-Men movies, which do pretty well. Right. They're not, you know, maybe Marvel level hits, but they do pretty well. Yeah. And then apart from that, everything he does is a failure. Right. I would say the exception to that is that the Alien prequels mm-hmm. do do okay. Yeah. And he's wonderful in but but Covenant did half of what yeah, they're not Prometheus they're not did. doing what studio wants right yeah. the X-Men films are certainly dipping yeah they dipping and the other thing was for a while it was like oh but he's giving these really great dramatic performances in between well and in, and the, yeah. in the last four same or five year years, as Assassin's Creed he does oh no the year before but yeah. Steve Jobs right but but right after this his prestige plays stop working as well well, like Light Between Oceans. That's actually before this. That's oh, really? Same, same year. Same okay. Year. 20, they're both 2016 movies. Right. This is the year where things get a little rocky um, for him. 100%. This year he had Apocalypse, Light Between Oceans, something called Trespass Against Us, which I think was like a right. tiny indie yeah. movie. Um, but then you go like- And Creed. Song to Song. Next year he had Song to Song, which was shot in like, you know, the Stone Age. Right. But the Snowman. The <laughs> Alien Covenant and The Snowman. Right. He hasn't made a movie since The Snowman. Right. He's got Have Dark you seen Phoenix Snowman? I tried to make Snowman a movie I liked. Yeah, no, it's impossible. I tried. It's, I, it's, I did the same thing where I'm like, I like this director. Yeah. I like Snowman. Yes. I like, I like Fassbender. You, as I like the promotion of the yeah, movie. I liked, it was good. Uh, I gave you all the clues. Yeah. You, you love Harry Holes. I do love Harry Hole. Oh, and the Holes. And I like Kilmer. Yeah. I know. Well, and then oof. you watch Kilmer that movie. Kilmer is not looking He's good. He's overdubbed. He was sick. Like Very it's insane. Sick. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's, we have we talked about it? You know, Alfredson was like, yeah, we didn't finish it. Yeah. Like literally, like we, we didn't finish it. And, they and just the studio was like, rather than give you money to finish it, we'll yeah. just edit this together <laughs> into something that runs the length of a movie. Right. <laughs> without being one. I've talked about this, uh, I feel like too much recently. <laughs> But, like, I feel like people ask me all the time now, like, oh, does, like, now that you've, like, worked more, like, does it ruin watching movies and TV for you now that you, like, know how it's made? And I'm like, the only way it ruins it for me is when I watch stuff like that, I just have a panic attack. When I, like, watch something like The Snowman where they, like, yeah, I have, like, a flashback and I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ, I know what it feels like on set when they tell you. Hey, we're just not going to be able to shoot these six pages. You can just see stress I can, on the screen. I feel it. Really? Right. I feel it like, yeah, I, I can see the stress on screen and I can feel what it felt like in the moment. Like I have, oh. it's like the animus link. It's like the, the needle goes into my spine and I'm just on set when they announce like, um, so uh, they pulled our budget. So we're just not going to shoot scene 24, 26 or 29. And you're like, those scenes are important, aren't they? Right. Yeah. Those are that's aren't those like the end of the movie? Ah, yeah. Well, we're not gonna do it. Yeah, that's my Assassin's Creed is like watching the snowman <laughs> and being like, I have li- lived past lives as an actor on underfunded projects. Yeah, it's in my man. DNA. The snowman, I think, was just it's the rare time when the studio was like, you know what, it'll never be good. Yeah. Even if we gave you the money, it'd be bad. So right. you know what? We just won't. But one of those crazy things where it was like almost a Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio project. Yeah. And then became a Michael Fassbender. Alfredson. Right. Project that then wasn't even finished. Right. Yeah. Not finished. Um, but Assassin's Creed was yeah. finished so at finished. the low, low cost of $125 million. $125 million. Now, yeah. the Assassin's Creed games do sell. Yes. But there's never been much correlation between video games that sell and video game movies that do well. Because no, no video game movie has ever done well. No, it's the one thing they're always trying to crack yeah. is like shouldn't this It'll be happen. a built-in audience that right. will all show up? But the problem is that video game fans are 
so fucking cynical. They are, and they tend to be, uh, yeah, they, you know, they're a little mean sometimes. Right. So it's just like they sniff it from a mile away, and they're just like, fuck this. Um, can you tell me the number one video game movie of all time? The number one highest grossing video game movie of all time is the first Tomb Raider? Correct. $131 million. Yeah. Uh, number two is the Angry Birds movie, which I guess counts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three is Rampage, and uh, which also, fuck off. It's not a video game movie. No, no. Like, sure, there was an arcade It's game. so loosely based off that game. Um, yeah. And now we are done with $100 million grossing and a video game films. Right. You know, next is Prince of Persia, which is by all account a flop. A huge flop. Uh, next is Pokemon, which, okay. Right. I guess Detective Pikachu is almost guaranteed yeah. to make the run to number one here. And it literally is based on a video game. I mean, it is. It counts. Right, you can't say like, oh, well, it's loosely adapted. It's, that specific game has that plot line. And, you know, yeah. the, the long, longest running and best video game series is, is the Resident Evil. Evil movies. And those movies have never done well domestically. They do very well far. Well, and their budgets yeah. are low. And their you know, That's the budgets thing. are it's fairly like the low. The one way people have cracked how like to do these things. Their budgets are like half of this movie. Right. Usually like 50, 60. Right. Um, and, yeah, and like Resident Evil Afterlife, which I think is the best, most successful one and one of the best ones, made 60 in America and yeah. 300 worldwide. And they do like really fucking well on like home video, all these things. But those movies also are just like their own fucking continuity. Like they have so little to do with the games now. Right. And if they have anything to do with the games, it's like a wink or a That's the thing. Like or... the first one is like maybe 50% the game, 50% its own thing. Mm -hmm. And then every movie from there on out goes like 7% more into its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's like its own, you know, I think that's sort of what they were trying to do here where it's like, can you make an Assassin's Creed movie franchise that has its own sort of continuity that's a cousin to the video games, but you're not just readapting the whole thing? Which is smart. It's smart because that's the other thing people say is like, if you're just making the video game as a movie, gamers don't want to see that because they'd rather play it. Mm -hmm. And the people who like movies first and foremost are going to go, well, I don't like the game. So what does that matter? Right. Right. And I feel like this movie would have done better. I mean, it's still a weird fucking film, but I feel like it would have been received better and probably would have made a little more money if it had been an original property. How do you do this as an original? You mean like it just it's the same movie, but Assassin's Creed doesn't exist. Yeah, well, and right. that's the other crazy thing is you go like, this is like the kind of concept that someone would have sold to a studio for like $5 million in 1992. There would have been an intense bidding war of like, oh my God, this fucking pitch. It's like through the bloodline, they can travel through time into the past and kill people. And now you get to the point where- This pitch is so specific though. They really so do explain it and they yeah. don't. Right. All right, Ben, come on. All right. Ben, well, but, ben get in here. Get I'm in getting here. in. Get in here, Ben. I'm getting in. Okay, well, I think that yes, I will, I will agree that the story is kind of sweaty. I um, will give you that much. Okay? It's complicated. I don't even know if it's sweaty. I I, I don't think it's sweaty because it, it's very patient. Right. It's just very convoluted. Very complicated. It's But see, the thing to me about it is if you look past that, yeah. the rest of it holds up. Which I largely did. And I also think it's just like, it's one of those movies where it's hard to totally figure out what the dramatic stakes of it are. Because there's such complicated world building around it where you're like. The dramatic states in the simplest term. Right. Is that you can't let them knights get that apple. Right. That's about it. It works well as like a movie with a MacGuffin where you know at least what the one objective is and everyone's trying their best to get it. Everything else 
is so fucking insanely complicated. Right. But the, mm-hmm. there is that simple sort of like, there's this apple, yeah. and the knights want it, and right. they can't get it. Can't get the apple. Assassin's job, keep them from getting the apple. If they have other jobs, they must. Right. But right in this movie, apple. But then you go to this other thing where it's like a father and daughter fighting over technology where they've essentially invented time travel through DNA. So if you have ancestors, you can go into their shoes. Can I read it? But also assassins apparently are like a blood type. Like it's not just a job that people have. Like the assassins you know, are like assassin a lineage. Yeah, I don't right. think it's like McClorian though. I don't think that it's- McClorian. Yeah. Whatever. But I, I think it's more it's just it's- you know, it's the bloodline. You have right. to continue that legacy. I guess it's in the sort of same way as the Knights tradition. Templar. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the people on the Mayflower. It's like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's bad luck to be born to that family. Yeah, you don't want to be Gleason's kid. Anyway, yeah. here's a quote from Michael Fassbender. When I met up with the guys from Ubisoft, yeah, and they started to explain this whole world and the idea of DNA memory, you know, I think it's a very feasible scientific theory. Mm-hmm. So he's on board. He's like, this is real. He's all in. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. Watching this movie, I was like, if we ever figure out time travel, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. I don't think we will ever figure out a way to, like, step to into move a- move your body. Right. Right. But I think at some point, we could, in the next 100 years, crack away really? to, like, you end up, like, fucking- now, Seen I'll, through the eyes of uh, a- Right. Being John Malkovich style. Totally agree. And I'll say yeah. this- <laughs> That I think the movie does like the design of the animus. Yeah, is it? It's not over. I think it's very animus. Yeah, I think it's very animusy. Yeah, it's very animus. Yes, not over explained. It's it's not over explained. It might even be the animus. I might. I might say it's under explained. Go on. Go on. Go on. (laughs) But I think that you just you snap right in. You know whether we all know that it's time travel through DNA. Right. You don't need to be like. Because of this, no, and I'm that, not, okay. this, I'm not that. asking for that. And I'm shaking my head. Yeah. I don't think you need what you're describing, yeah. but I don't think for everyone they were like, oh no, I get it. <laughs> I've dabbled through DNA. Right. Did you see the lines <laughs> of the brains crossing paths and stuff? <laughs> Boom. So the concept. All right. So for, first, just just so I can let me get some plot out, please. Um, Cal Callum uh, Lynch, yeah, uh, our hero, right, is sentenced to death. For whoa, the whoa, whoa, murder whoa. of a pimp. You're going way too fast. Way no, too no, fast. No, 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 Let no. me read I'm, the beginning part. Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, we see, forget that we're not going to talk assassins just now. It's like, there's that early flashback of Callum seeing his, his mother's murder. We open with yeah. BMX riding. God, in right. the yeah, you know desert. what? You take it away. I forgot Thank about the BMXs. Yeah. Badass kid. Misses the jump, but he's trying. Kind of redhead kid. Kind of like me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I definitely used to hang out by myself and ride jumps. Of course. And hurt myself. Yeah. Comes home. His dad killed his mom. With a wrist blade. Yes. Yes. Yep. He's standing there all assassiny. Uh-huh. In yeah. the hood. Yeah. Yes. Pretty uh, intense. Pretty intense. Yeah. No further explanation. Because he given. walks in and and they cut it and and cover it in a way where you think the mother has committed suicide. Sure. And the father is framed out, and then you see his father standing in a hood with a crazy knife attached to his arm. <laughs> crazy is also playing. Oh yes, the song, and you, we're, that's going to be an important thing later in the movie. You mean by um, uh, Patty Klein? Uh, Patty Klein. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, kid <laughs> gets away, runs off. The bad guys show up in black cars, mm-hmm. assumingly take the dad. Right. Assassin's Creed. 
Do you think Ben can quote this entire yeah. movie? So then we cut to 30 years later. And now what we missed is that in between. Here's my complaint. Yes. yes go on. Go yeah. on. In between, this guy has uh, murdered a pimp? Right. <laughs> Who? Why? Why do you need to know? <laughs> I need to know. I, I don't I, need to know. Before Cruzel came on, in the early days of them developing this movie, Fassbender pitched it in interviews as like, it's a movie about like a bartender. Sure. Who right. is recruited and they tell him that he's like in a, a lineage of assassins and yeah. that he's the one person who has the DNA to be able to get this thing for them. Yes. Which felt more Avatar. Yeah. Like, hey. Sure. You, you got to plug you into this machine. You, yeah. You're the only one who's the right genetic match. We need you to do this thing you're not equipped to do. And then Kurzel comes on and the movie becomes like, here's a young man who witnessed a horrible murder. In the 30 years in between that we're not really explaining. He's been a violent person. But you're supposed we to get the sense how. of like Ant-Man style like, oh, but he's a good criminal because he hurt the bad people. I don't even know if we're supposed to get I don't think that. There's I don't, really not a lot of moral no. weighing in on it, what they, he is. But he's they on said, death row. Yeah, he's right, executed. Right. Yes, he dies. He's Well, well they fake then, it. They fake right. it. Uh, I will say I photo I I videoed the scene where you know you sort of see like look into his eye and then it gets all trippy and weird yeah because I was just like this is very Ben like yeah. I'm sure this is one moment where Ben's like pumping his fist right because he's on death row they lethally execute him he says uh, lethally lethally inject him right but when they go like you're a murderer and he's like I killed a pimp and it's supposed to be like well yeah no I mean clearly he was in the right yeah but that, I'm sitting that, there going like that's it and that's the only discussion right like did he in the 30 years following have psychopathic tendencies it, it, I was think he violent he in general witnessed his mother be yeah, murdered some of course he's but, gonna be but my question off. is like did he kill one person or right. was this guy like a fucking is this what he got caught for maniac. right yeah right. he's a bad dude yeah, oh I know that. Uh, That's all I need to know. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th I would like a little more because there's definitely this concept that they're trying to conquer violence, right? right? And that violence is like sort of in you yeah, no matter what. And he's a good test case for that because he's this violent guy. He killed a guy, a pimp, no further questions. All right. Right. That, uh, that is, don't know that about it, that, but it okay. Is, right. It is a, uh, you know, a, a form of mental illness that is passed down. Sure. And that perhaps he was, you know, destined Right. To become violent because of... But really, yeah. I feel like what they're saying is... What they're not telling him, but what they're saying is like, you're an assassin, you know, it's in your blood, and that's right. another reason that you're kind of, you know... Because this whole movie is being spearheaded by the villains. Right. And he, they don't really rebel against the villains until the end. Very end. You know, so like the whole time... Because Aaron's he Cunyard, doesn't realize... No, I know, I get it. Because his motivations are so mixed up. Because right. at, at one, you know, at first, he's just thrown into it. The second well, he time, he's intrigued. He was dying, and then he wakes up. And they're like, "Hey, J.K., right? You're not dead, but yeah. here's crazy technology you never knew existed, and we're going to need to immediately throw you into the middle of the and past. you can't leave. And uh, right, and right. Uh, try not to talk right. to anyone. It's like kind of a future jail. Everyone else here hates you, but don't worry, we'll give you a break. Get in the animus and murder some people. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, if you get too into the animus, it could make you like brain dead or something. You're crazy. But yeah, the rules. Crazy for yeah, and when he's like scream, screaming that, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Marion Cotillard is playing this sort of uh, clipboard carrying rules explainer, right? Right. But of course, she is the rules, right? But then the she walks up her, her entrance in the film is je t'aime les rules. She that means I love the rules. <laughs> um, but but I am je, je suis je suis le rule. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. Wait, what was I gonna? Uh, she yeah. does love the rules too. I mean, both both apply. Uh, they do. They do apply. Je suis le rule. 
She's the clipboard carrying information dispenser, but she's biased. She is yes. biased, yes. as the internet would say. Yeah. And well, because Disney paid her off. Exactly. Yeah. She's a Disney show. Yeah. And um, I kind of like that concept where she's like, well, of course we all know this is what the animus is for and this is what we're trying to figure out. And it's like, no, you're lying. Right. You're a little, and she even believes her own bullshit. And I think she's realizing. And her father is also lying. Like he's everyone's lying trying to use this thing for Many their layers own. of right. lies, right? There's a lot of manipulation yeah. going on. Uh, which is fuels my sort of like Marion signed on because this is a very conspiratorial movie. Yeah. Like uh-huh. uh, it's really like there are layers of control in every part of society. Right. Knights Templar, apples of Eden, seeds. Yeah. The seeds seem to be important, important part of the apple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The okay. seeds, I think, play a crucial part. I'm not sure what way, but um, I, that so doesn't like, matter. It's though. sort of like through history. There have always been people trying to control us like the Spanish Inquisition. Yes. You know. I uh, uh, just recently, I mean, it'll be a little while when this episode comes out. Uh, Alma Drafthouse New York has been uh, doing all the Wachowski movies. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend, uh, TC14, had never seen uh, Jupe Ascending before. Uh-huh. So I went to see it in a theater that unsurprisingly seemed to be 90% either people who have been on our podcast. I was so mad I was not there because it literally appeared to be like film Twitter was the only people there. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm seeing the Matrix movies. That's what I did in that. Right. Um, but, uh, there, there was a contingency, uh, that seemed to be seeing the movie because of a, uh, incorrect reputation of that movie being a sort of a camp classic, you mean? Right. And they like seemingly were, were showing up just to laugh at it and dunk on it, which I have no patience for. I hate that. Uh, as, as one of our blankies said, and I forget who it was, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you credit. Uh, uh, people showed up uh, seemingly to ironically watch Jupiter Ascending, uh, not understanding that Jupiter Ascending is post-irony. Right. It transcends it. As we've talked about in our Wachowski, it's very sincere. Right. Very sincere filmmaker. One of those scenes where, like, uh, Sean Bean is explaining why, like, bees are attracted to royalty and why the currency is, like, youth and why, like, Earth is a battery for... Uh, you know, these like this horrible capitalist system. What in a good space. movie. Good movie. Right. Good movie. Good and the, movie. Uh, fucking masterpiece. And the audience is like laughing at like, this is like fucking ridiculous. And my girlfriend just turned to me and she said, this is like exactly what my father believes. <laughs> Interesting. Did not expect you to say <laughs> it that. was at one of the B moments. And she was like, no, I totally get this movie because this is the shit my father's been saying to me since I was four. Interesting. <laughs> um, I got to talk to. Got to talk to her about that this. Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. her um, father, uh, TC thirteen. Right, and but, you're saying so. Maybe there's someone out there who's watching this, and they're like, "Yeah, I mean, I think we her, all know this." To I be think true. her name is Marion Coutier, and they sent her the script, and she was like, "Yes, finally, finally, yeah. someone's finally. speaking the truth." Uh, right, <laughs> Well, okay, uh-huh. so I don't know why she's. Now I like- am a person where I. Sort of got into conspiracy stuff. Yeah, that's another thing for this movie. I mean, this movie is like very sort of like there's the secret cabal controlling. Yeah, so right, I'm pretty familiar with like the Illuminati conspiracy Knights stuff. Templar. Knights They're Templar. They're a big part of that. Yeah. Knights Templar really Knights were Templar. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because after one of my many watching of this movie, yeah. I then went down a whole rabbit hole reading about the Knights Templar yeah. and their history. Yeah. It's fascinating. This is a real thing that existed on our planet Mm -hmm. at one point. It was essentially like a, because the church sort of had so much power, like more power really than like any governments. Right. Right. Um, 
And this I was sort you, of the- what's changed. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Which year are you talking about? 2019? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what if one day, like, Jay Leno is like, I'm coming back to TV, you know? And they were like, uh-huh. okay, Jay Leno show. And he comes out, he's like, do you guys know about the Knights Temple? <laughs> like, it was immediately just like, I'm here to speak the truth finally. And here's the truth. It would be incredible if, like, Jay Leno missed her, like, I just want to tell the jokes. And the Illuminati control all the banks. Right. But Jay Leno always tries to be like, I mean, it was just a job. You know, I mean, people take it personally. It's just comedy. And then he showed up and he was like, so the whole world is controlled by four people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, suddenly it was like, Kevin's like, that's right. That's right. right. He's like sitting there with a guitar. (laughs) Like, oh, this is why you were saving all your money. Because you knew that someone was going to sue you. Yeah, exactly. uh, like my, my genetic I was in an animus recently right. and my genetic memory is tied to a crusader right I don't know no, Hollywood makes sci-fi films because they're trying to prepare us for the alien invasion they all know what's been going on <laughs> the aliens have been living among us for years you read you about this you hear about this you hear about this Kevin <laughs> yeah no that's right Jay <laughs> hey Kevin why don't you take that skin off your face and he's just an alien <laughs> he's underneath he's a lizard yeah. yeah you hear about these lizard people you hear about Adam Weisspot anyway love um love Illuminati <laughs> shit <laughs> Majestic 12. Should we talk about the Majestic 12? Oh, what's that? Oh, I'll explain off mic. (laughs) It's too much. It's too much for this episode. So, um, and I think that this movie is diving right into that sort of, like, people, like, there's context going into this movie with all that sort of, like. That paranoia that we all feel about some weird old European aristocracy that is still pulling the strings in society and sure, has been sure, sure, right, sure, for, right, for, right, for centuries. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, so he's he's there. Yeah, and so... What's uh, this place I, called again? Uh, oh, I forget. Something project. I can't remember It's in now. Madrid, the uh, mm-hmm. Abstergo Foundation. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. And I'll say, this is one of those movies where it's like, they fucking went to locations. I like they fucking this set. built humongous sets. Like it's this, this sort movie. of mix of like old brick, you know, old yeah. like fifteenth and and like fancy mm-hmm. sort of oh, swishy I love tech. That. Yes. It's it's my it's two aesthetics I love. Super yeah. clean, crisp, modern yeah. with like stones and dust. And I'll say even the animus design, it's like it's like cinematically like compelling, right. yes. but it does look like how they would maybe build that thing. It doesn't totally. look like it was just designed by a movie artist. And it's not. It's, it looks pretty practical. Right. It it doesn't have like a bunch of colors and like uh, like uh, cheesy like lights no. and like, you know what I mean? Like where it looks like it and looks I, like it would be practical and made by science. I like right. that the movement of the arm is kind of like janky and unnatural. Yeah, yeah me like, too. These yeah. arms are like a big thing that are used in theme park rides now. Right. right it's right. called like a Kula arm. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar kind of hydraulics, thing. Hydraulics. Right. right. But it's yeah. that sort of like the Harry Potter ride and all these new rides that they're developing are like, rather than being on a track, mm-hmm. the arm is on a track, mm-hmm. maybe hanging from the ceiling. Right. And so it can wiggle you in multiple ways. Right. It's right. like a totally free moving arm. That's crazy. Yeah. And it, like this looks pretty similar mm-hmm. and realistic to how these arms actually work and how they move and you know did not expect you to bring the theme park into this I, yeah. I love it well, um, this movie is also kind of commentary on the theme park interesting more I mean, in video games I'm it's, just it's a video game thing. it's a video game but, because, okay so let's get back into maybe this movie's about cosplay I don't know. Um, um, so anyway, uh, to get us no. back on track, <laughs> uh, didn't really die. 
Marie explains to him yeah. essentially the rules Marianne. of this movie. Oh, her name is Marie in this movie? Uh, I don't know. Sophia. Sophia. Mm-hmm. She explains the rules. They put him in the machine. Boom. We're now in the first sequence where the prince's son, right. or the king's son, the prince, yeah. is been being uh, hid yeah. in this village, and the Knights Templar uh, are in control of, I guess... Spain? Yes. Like, oh, no, no. All right. To, uh, to give you some actual uh, history context. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. Oh, wait. We're going to hear some European no. history. Uh, no, the, no yeah. this is... You know, From so, a guy who's only ever lived in New York City. Yeah, what does well, he know what about What does Europe? he know? Spain was ruled by uh, Muslim caliphates and, and rulers mm-hmm. for about 300 years, from about the 12th century to the 15th century, um, which is why the Spanish language is so influenced by Arabic as opposed to the other Romance languages, which are not... And it, why, you know, the food is a little different. There's the Alhambra, which is this beautiful piece of Muslim architecture. Right? Describe this- my face right now. Uh, I would say half tilted. Meh. Uh, and Ben, I'd say his face, his head's kind of half tilted going, meh. <laughs> okay, go on, so The ruler in this movie is Muhammad Twelfth, who is one of the, uh, the sultans mm-hmm. of Castilian Spain. I believe the last yeah. Nasrid ruler of Granada. Yeah, we all know this. Um, <laughs> So these are real people, just just to be clear. And like this was like a, a Christian, you know, it's a like crusade influenced stuff. Yes. Like it was a Christian uh war against Muslim rule in Spain. And uh that's who this uh this guy this is another real person, Tomas de Toquemada, mm-hmm. who was the first Grand Inquisitor of Spain and was like, you know, a leader of the Catholic Church who persecuted Muslims and Jews in Spanish history. Bad man. No good. Don't do it. Yes, agreed. Here's another thing with this movie. We often are, like, perplexed when we see, like, big blockbusters that just casually invoke, like, horrible periods in history. Right, right, right. right? Sure, sure. Like, when you see, like, your Transformers the last night and it's, like— The best example. Right. Like, they're, like, implying that, like, the Transformers were, like, fighting the Nazis or that, They were like, in league with Harriet Tubman. Right. That the, the Transformers created the Underground Railroad, like, all these things— and you're like, Correct. the implications of this are fucked, and the movie doesn't want to deal with them. This is a movie that's about living in how fucked the implications are. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is part of the conspiratorial mind of this movie, where it's like, we're not just casually invoking these horrible, like, regimes in history. Right. We're making a movie that's like, yeah, We're it's, throwing you in. We're throwing you in. We're making you live in this shit. And here's this and idea And putting it right like, on your doorstep. Callum, what are you? You're just a casual pimp murderer. Uh-huh. You know, what do you do? You like beer, murdering pimps. Being executed on death row. What an insane did you thing know? to not explain. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Did you know what that the your circumstances? I don't. A pimp was there. Yeah. Needed murdering. I don't know. <laughs> um. Did you know that your great 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 you know grandpa yeah. was an assassin who you know fought the uh, Spanish Inquisition and then gave the apple of Eden to Christopher Columbus. And you assume it was on his father's side because his father, of course, wore the hood. Uh, you know, might have switched mom to dad. I don't know. But yeah, it's no, on, no. His, it's on his father's In this side, movie, yeah. that's the sort of misdirect and that his mother was the one who had the assassin genes and oh, asked right, the right, father right. to kill her because they were trying to protect him. Yeah. Is that what's going it's on? Not really I, don't, ex- I think you're no? getting mixed up. Okay. I think it really just. I mean, once again, I could not follow <laughs> this one. <laughs> the, the thing that is hardest to follow is what you're talking yes, about. Right. Because when Gleason is introduced in this movie and he is his dad. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's kind of casual. Yes. They're like, oh yeah, one of the one of the guys here is your hated dad who yeah. murdered your mom. Right. 
And Gleason's whole performance is given in profile looking out a window. Yeah. And he's just sort of like, you know, the assassins, you know, you can't defy being an assassin. Yeah. Like, that's it, right? Good Gleason. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that is it. What is he? He hasn't, he doesn't have a relationship with the son. It's just weirder that he's not just like, dad, couple of questions. Yeah. One. Why'd you murder my mom? <laughs> Two, what are you doing here? Three, what's this place for? Right. What do you do? People don't talk like that. <laughs> In real life? No. Or, what? If, if I hadn't seen a family member a really long time, we had bad blood, mm. I'm not going to go up and then be like sort of like open to a person. What if you saw him in a special prison where they were mining your genetic memories? I'd be even less so. <laughs> I think I'd have kind. a few questions. No, I wouldn't be asking questions. I'll tell you another uh, uh, weird thing with this movie. It does feel like there's a version of this premise that's like a 1991 Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Where it's like, 100%. like right. here's, the, here's the log line. Like, when they execute murderers, it's actually uh, a false flag. To turn them into like time cops. Right, right. Real, they like, real time cops. Right. You'll get your freedom and a new identity if you can use your violent ways to help us. Right. 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 And then you would have a lot of like lunchroom scenes with the other assassins. Which this has like a little of, you know, like right. The, this sense uh, of a like, lot of this sort of team building the, stuff, the jail mentality of like he's like fresh fish and they're all like against him, right? And they set up the what's his name, Callum Turner. That's his. You know, oh, 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 the actor, yes, yeah. Callum, um, Callum Turner, who is a grin. Uh, he's uh, in a Grindelwald. Uh, he's he's uh, Newt Scamander's he's, brother, right? He's as as my girlfriend he's, who watched this Chameleon movie with me. Scamander. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. What is it? Theseus? Yeah. When she saw him in Grindelwald, she was like. Wow, they found a guy who looks like Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you can find that yeah, person. Yeah, no, I mean, props to that. But, like, th- there's, like, him and Michael K. Williams and, like, all these other people they're setting up, and you're like, is this kind of like a face-off magnet prison thing? Right. But right. then they kind of just leave them simmering for most of the movie. Yeah, they don't do a ton, uh, the the other jail people. they they get At the end, they get to... Well, because I, and like I want to say, yeah, I, I, I want to say he, that Ben is fucking riled at us right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm yeah. riled. You're riled. So I want to say that when he is going back in time, he cannot manipulate the past. Right. You He's know, I only know. He's, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, he is just really like they are looking through him, right, to, in order to get the information right. to find out where his ancestor hid the the apple. Yes. He hit it with Christopher Columbus. He hit it with Christopher Columbus, which we find out eventually. Right. But I just wanted to make that clear. He left Christopher Columbus two things and said, take them to your grave. One, here's the apple. Two, here's the idea for grandmas. (laughs) Very good. Too bad he lost in the bracket. I know. Um, um, But that's the thing, Ben, is the movie is positing. Look, if you use the machine, you're not doing this. It already happened. It's being John Malkovich. It's programmed. You're just getting a view. And you're looking at it. You're right. watching it first. And yes, okay, to use the machine, you do have to mimic what the guy did. You got to yeah. punch and stab. You got to jump. And mm-hmm. it's taxing for you. Mm-hmm. But it's there's no consequence here. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And then, of course, the counter to that, which the movie is eventually going to make, is kind of like, no, it, there is, it, it gets in your brain. Yeah. And it's fucked up. And do you have control or like, do they have control? And, and that's then, what is playing a video game, right? Well, like, right. these are the questions it's asking. Right. And the, like the constant like moral panic for the last 25, 30 years of like, do violent video games make people more violent or do we have violent video games because people have such violent tendencies? There's a need to give them an outlet to get rid of that aggression. Right. 
You know, it's like, do violent video games prevent people from being violent in real life? Right. See, I never or does it neutralize this. them to the idea of violence because you spend so many hours stabbing someone virtually? This is what I love about this movie. That's what's kind of brilliant about yes. this, this movie. This is interesting. I never thought of this. Yeah. I never thought of this, this before, is but what it's kind of turned me on. Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's where I started going like galaxy brain on this it's thing. It's kind of the, oh, is this cooking with gas thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, because I don't know how else you're supposed to take it all. Like, right. why else would it be such a convoluted concept of, like, we put you in the machine and the machine moves you around? You know, like... And the cycles of... Otherwise, the, they would just, like, plug into his brain of and, the like... the predestined, his, like, look, it's it, the violence just exists there. Yeah, right. We're trying right. to get rid of it. Their the only way to thing, get rid of it is to live in it more. Yeah, exactly. Right. But um, the thing is, is then... It, of course, Cal is now becoming more proficient. Right. As right. A, as a, it, it makes you an assassin. It kind yes. of makes you into an assassin because right. it's like training your body. Yeah. Were you always an assassin? Yeah. Right. right. It's free will. Yeah. Predestination. Now, the look. God, does this movie fucking This is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, it kind of does. This is what I'm saying. So, all right. Let's talk about. And what um, he's saying. I'm going to watch it like 15 minutes. Exactly. So, so the design of the assassins, mm-hmm. their, their wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, is so great. It's right yeah. out of the game. The hood, costumes are amazing. Hood, knives. But it lives but they, up to They what look it, better even than the game one. Right. I agree. They look great. Yeah. They look um, so good. They're also very tattoo rules. Yeah. I forgot about, like, Ben loves to tap, and they, yeah. are, they are tatted up. He Ugh. does look kind of like a, a, a crust punk. He looks. Yes! And, and then, all right, and I love it that, like, <laughs> I think that you could plausibly watch this movie and not get that Michael Fassbender is also playing the assassin. Correct. Because he's so shrouded in darkness. Yeah. He's bearded. He's dirty. He's tatted. Like, that you'd be like, is that just a guy who looked like him? No, that's obviously It's a it's pretty him. bold move. And, yeah. and that's like a thing of the games which I have only played like fleetingly, like someone hands me a controller and I play it for 15 minutes or whatever. Right. But the games also kind of make it so you can't really see the guy's face. Right. That he sort of becomes this blank that you can like, you know, uh, superimpose whatever onto. Right. Um, which I love. And, you know, Ariane LeBed too, she's all, she's got yeah. the cool... Writing on her face. That's the crazy yeah. thing about the idea of them casting someone like Vikander. And I feel like I read another name of someone big they almost cast. And it's like, if you had put Vikander in this movie, you probably would not have been able to clock that it was Vikander. Right. Because um, I was watching this movie and I was like, yeah. that actress looks familiar, but I can't figure out who she Ariane is. Ariane LeBed, baby! Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Munn wanted to be in it. Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn, Munn right. Campaigned really hard to get the part. Yeah. Interesting. And there was another the big too. young actor who um, I think, yeah. Those are the ones I've got here for you. Okay. Um, but yeah, when we're in the assassin uh, flashback in Spain, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Spanish being spoken. Yes. Uh, Another bold thing, like they're not having people speak English in Spanish. No. The subtitles like, are nice. I like yeah. the font. Yeah. Um, uh, it's insanely confusing. Insanely confusing. The, the, even though the plot itself is actually simple, which is just like, there's this apple and they need yeah. to. It's the same plot. Right. But... Uh, because, also because he's being lifted out and put back in, you're sort of like skipping through. So right. it's got this like, why are they all being burned at the stake now? Like, you yeah. know, it's got that kind of stuff. And I like that it just kind of moves that way. Whereas I think like for, it's sounding like for you guys, you need a little more context. I'm the kind I of person like where I'm like, I think I'm Griffin's like, in the middle boom, here. Boom. No, I don't, I don't just need move more, me to the next thing. I don't need more context. It's just that I literally uh, <laughs> don't understand. I, something. I can't like process all of what this movie's throwing at me. That's fine. That's fine. Which, like, it's it's the same thing. You're going to watch it 15 more no, times. I'm not saying that's a negative. It was the same thing as Primer where I'm like, I can tell they know exactly what they're doing. And right. I just can't process it all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I, more compelled to go back and watch this again. 
I want them to make a movie about Michael K. Williams as a voodoo assassin in like 19th century New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yes. his assassin. Yeah, because that's the thing is like everyone in this place, right? When they plug in the Animus, they go to wherever they're going. Right, and they like, do that sequel like, setup where Fastbender, the camera's circling around him, and you see all the different Fastbenders. Yes, right, right. Because that's the premise of the video game is like, right. well, also the assassins were present at the fall of Rome, and right. here they are. You know. Your objective is to stab people. Right. Like, I mean, that's what the, the American Revolution. Are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, apparently, Carozal said that he wanted his sequel to be the Cold War. All righty then. Sounds good. You know, yeah. And so we're going to talk conspiracies. <laughs> we might as well talk, you know, the, the real one, uh, Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. You guys know about this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All the powerful men. Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, uh, George Bush. <laughs> this is a real thing. It's I'm a real thing. Bohemian Grove. I know we've so all done the Wikipedia deep dives. Are real, right? Who is to say that there isn't some weird evil corporation right. that's looking to harness human, uh, like a uh, genome, like technology to start making superhuman people? I mean, that's stuff that could really happen now in, in, in 2019. Right. Bohemian Grove. They frame as like, oh, this is We're just like out. these people who are at such a it's high a level. Weekend. This is the only. They need to chill. They just burn an effigy of an right. owl. This is like What's our the club mail. It's so. But there are so all these nuts. weird traditions to it, and people who have like gone have been brought as guests. Like, kind of talk about Harry Shearer made a movie. That's like a mockumentary that's a parody of Bohemian Grove, I think, called Teddy Bear's Picnic. Mm. And he huh. talks about that someone took him once. Oh, weird. And he's like, it's one of those things where it's like, they don't like go like, no, this doesn't exist. They'll like invite people in. But when you're there, you get the sense that there's more that you're not sort of being keyed into. R- right. And that even a lot of the people who are formal members maybe don't know everything. Right. In the same way that something like Scientology functions and like, a lot of members of Scientology don't know the alien shit. Yeah, sure. They wait but, until you're like yeah, deep Yeah, you gotta in be to real be like, deep. Also, but now pe- more people know because now you can like- Because the internet away. exists. But Bohemian Grove is one of those things where you're like, is this like a weird space for like the most powerful people in the world to like murder people? Right. Or is it just them playing like tennis in the woods? It might be both. Right. It's I think probably it's a both. little bit of one and a little bit uh, of the other. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. It does feel weird. like it's like, we are the people who have inherited the power and we make sure the world is running properly. We have to elect God, we're God's president, Donald J. Trump. Yeah, right. Um, but I the mean, plot is kind of hard to talk about. So no, why we've we, done it. Yeah, do I, mean? I mean, I think yeah. it's over. Right. It's over. And, and yeah, so you've got Irons there, who sort of like wants to leverage this to like dominate all free will. You've got right. Rampling, who's showing up, and she seems to want to leverage it for like something else. I don't know. She's got like some other yeah. agenda. It's never really. Does very, she represent yeah. the church? No, she's a Templar person. But there oh, okay, aren't they right, all right. Templar persons? Right, well, because, yeah, I mean, the yeah. Iron's got the, the necklace and everything. Yeah, they're both Templars. I think and they're just sort of, she's just sort of comes in and she's like, well, what's up? Well, and and Kutziar is more of a scientist. I mean, that's her yes, god is but her science. dad is a Knight's Templar, right. a Knight Templar. So he keeps on taking and her And she projects, doesn't really right. get how, like, you know, the dark underside Now, is. what I love about- I will say that Marianne Cotillard described her relationship with her father as, quote, twisted. And really? Twisted. Wow. <laughs> Just saying. Wow, that really just knocked me for a loop. I remember what I was going to say. Yes, it does. Wow. Yes, it does. Brian Gleason played a young Brendan Gleason in this mm-hmm. movie. I'm um, just trying to run. Oh, yeah. Dennis Menoshe, love him. I love him. From that one scene in Inglorious oh, Bastards. Okay. That Denis one Minoshe. 30 minute scene. Uh, well, great scene. So, uh, I mean, should have been nominated for an Oscar for Inglorious along with 
Walt. In sci-fi, in action movies, right? The scientist, the the character is given the exposition. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, they're always trying to justify whatever kooky, crazy thing. This movie is straight up. I love it. It's just like, it's like, yeah, the scientist is trying to cure some like, like uh, macro level idea of conflict in right. general, like again, that's so crazy. I, I'm not I, asking I for them really to explain the little and, details. And good. This is a sci-fi premise that you either just have to get on board with or not. Oh, of course. There's just so much going on in terms of what the separate motivations of the characters are and what they're tied to in terms of like you know millennia long traditions that it's hard for me to totally get my head around what's driving everyone. Right. I don't need anyone explaining Animus any more than they do. One thing I do want Ben's take on yeah. is that scene where Fassbender's just screaming the song crazy. Yeah. As he's like lifted into the air. Right. Which I don't think there's any explanation for except that he's going crazy. Right? It right. looks and feels weird when you watch it uh-huh. a bunch of times. But after like the 10th time of seeing it, it's still really weird. It stands <laughs> yeah. out in this way where you're like, I guess nobody really told them no. And also, this is a movie with zero jokes. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah. a fun one. Not a funny I one. I mean, you rarely see a film that doesn't even attempt to land one joke. Doesn't like, try it's to land. So, who wrote this? It's like three or three four. Three people I've never like, heard of. Right, right, like people who are just sort of like. A couple yeah. assassins. I think Scott Frank took a pass in one yeah. There's a lot of people who probably but had once a again, like you one. could see this exact same script being done in a very straightforward way. This is just, I yes, yes, you're correct. Uh, I just think that this is a movie. Every time I've watched it, all two times. Yeah. When you're watching it, anytime it cuts to a new scene, you're like. Did I miss a scene? Yes. Every time. That's Not one of the things that makes twice. it a little hard for me to watch. Every scene that it jumps to, you're yeah. like, I'm definitely wasn't listening or something. Right. There's something that wasn't explained. But I this. think by the time you've, you've come around in your 12th or 13th watch, like Ben has, you go like, well, of course they cut there. That's when Assassin's Creed cuts to the next scene. Right. Yeah. Like you don't, you stop getting thrown off by that because you're just letting it fulfill the rhythms of Assassin's Creed. Yeah, well, and we all know Ben is running this movie for president in 2020. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Assassin's Creed 2020. Yeah. The, pre- the movie. Yes. Um, okay, well, I want to ask you boys, what's your favorite past... Um, there's four. The four past, like... Uh, uh, sequences? S- sequences. Like set pieces? They're I mean, all heists, too, pretty much, right? Wouldn't you say? Because they're all running, right? So yeah, each one is like a... I forgot yeah. also another thing you like about this is kind of parkour It's, it's a lot of building ra- climbing and jumping. Like oh, baby, it's good uh, for, for that. For me, the best up is definitely the, um, uh, the steak scene. I like that. For one, it's outside, mm-hmm. which I like. When they're trying to burn him on the stake, you mean? Yeah, yeah, and they, you know, the way I, you I thought for a second you were talking about, like, a top sirloin scene. Mmm, delicious, delicioso. <laughs> yes, when they're trying to burn him, ah, yes. Ah, España yes. beef. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, where he, the yeah. ways they jump out of the... Yeah. That's all fun, and there's fire, and there's... So yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. And you have that that shot that Kurzel loves, where it's like, we open on an eagle. Eagle, eagle, eagle. Now let's leave oh. the eagle behind and go through many layers of distance fog. Yeah. Can we talk about the eagle thing? Is that tied to anything yeah, bigger that I'm games. not getting? It's okay. from the games. And so, they're always talking about the eagle in their... Uh, but what, what their, what's the deal with the eagle? The eagle is kind know. of, you know, like Beastmaster. <laughs> yeah. The eagle always follows him. It's oh, like that sure. kind of idea. Okay. So it's like in the, in the game, you could... Let's see if it's like the, the bees in Jupiter ascending. Let's okay. read the Assassin's Creed In the game, you Creed can access wiki. the eagle to get like a bird's eye, a literal bird's eye view? Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to read from the... Because uh, there's also that one scene in the present where he transitions using a helicopter and it feels like he's trying to match the rhythms of the eagle shots. 
Can I explain the Eagles Please. to you? Yeah, because I just knew there was something I was Eagles play an important role in the Assassin Brotherhood in that many of the Order's outfits and weapons bear resemblance to Eagles in their details. Right. Because they do, they, the hoods kind of come to a point, uh, cheek-like. Sure. And they, they got like their talons. And the birds perch on the viewpoints Assassins use to navigate their surroundings and perform leaps of faith from. So I think in the games, they are sort of a camera mechanic. It's literally the bird's yeah. eye view. Yeah. They're trying to make um, a, an analog version. But okay. as you say, you can also sort of send them to go get shit for you, which is cool. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. But in the movie, it feels like they were like, you know, we can't get too much eagle stuff in here because that's where we lose them. So right. let's just have like a reference to the eagles. You a know? lot of, right. He a just kind of uses eagles, them as right. a, a visual pattern. Yeah. And it's also okay. a great way to to justify getting some drone work in there, yeah. baby. The drone yeah. work Plenty in this movie work. is yeah. solid. Another mm-hmm. thing Ben loves, drones. Yeah. Yeah. Drones. I love drones. And I'll say the like the physicality to all he these action sequences feels weirdly kind of grounded. Only drones. There's a there's a messiness to the choreography in this movie that I like. That he makes them more impressive. Drones. He loves drones. He loves I drones. I love <laughs> drones. I love them big. Yeah. I love them small. You running out of steam, Griff? A little bit, but yeah. let's keep going. I know, no. I know. I think we're close. I, we're think, we, I think we could wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I we, got a merchandise spotlight. We got to do the box office game. Do your merchandise spotlight. Well, they just what? They're in my What's salad. Your favorite? That I'm What's your favorite kind of apple? Oh, uh, probably say Granny Smith. Yeah, you like them tart. Ooh, okay, yeah, I like them tart. Can I recommend? A saucy if you're tart. a tart, uh huh. If you're a tartman, yeah. Try yourself a pink lady. Griffin are you love that. are you deep on apples now? I know a lot about apples. apples are good. Bray Braeburns are also great. What Braeburns can be good, but they you know you got to um you got to get you got to get the right one. Right, they got to be real crisp. My mom is a huge apple fan, and like, are and clearly loves Ben is to go as apple well. picking, yeah. So I know a lot. Yeah. Well, my dad uh, makes uh, his own jam. What? That's a classic retired person thing to do. He's always done it. My girlfriend's though. mom does that too. Makes a lot of jam. And then the problem with that is you end up with a lot of jam. Yeah, <laughs> the I jam have, sort of gets passed. Down. I have so much jam. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'll I'll bring in some of my dad's jam I for will you guys. Take some off your hands. Yeah, you're a jam man. I'm a jam man. You love a jam. Yeah, jam's my jam. All right, um, I'll get you some blackberry. It's really good. Well, I'm more of an apple guy. Oh, an apple yeah. jam guy. Apple you preserves. said that he makes yeah. apple jam. He does. Right? Yeah. yeah. Assassin's Creed. We should say the ending of this movie is that Fassbender and the rest of them escape from right. the evil prison. And now he's got like kind of a trio. That's him and Michael K. Williams. Right? Yeah. Michael Cal- K. Williams is one of the guys. Yes. The yeah. Callum doesn't yes. make it. There's also, there's an Asian lady, right. Michelle H. Lynn. Uh, there's some other folks. And they're wearing like hoodies now, present day, and they've yeah. taken weapons. And what is also cool is they that. They kill irons uh, uh, and bo- steal the apple. Yeah. Before they join together, right? Before he lead, he joins in with their mm-hmm. like uh, escape. Yeah. He has that scene where you realize that the past version mm-hmm. of himself can communicate to him in the future somehow because they have that weird sort of like moment where they have a ghostly convo. Right. Yeah. Like they're like, they're, he's not even like plugged into the animus anymore, Mm -hmm. but he's still like being able to like, they have some name for that. Yeah. She's like, you're going to experience some shadow vision or or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I thought that was really interesting, so I just wanted to point that out. But honestly, this is just <laughs> this is just a solid 
movie. No, no, that is not how you describe this yeah, thing. Is yeah, bizarre. Yeah. It is not a solid. Yeah, it's movie. a solid movie. It's not like The Fugitive, where it's like, right. oh yeah, I can jump it's in like at a any point. Classic points. meat and potato. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what you said. You said this is one of those movies. Of course, it comes on TV at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's a relaxing watch, and I'm like, no, this movie is making me work. <laughs> yeah, and I'm this not complaining. Like a tesseract, like right. it's constantly changing shape. Right. You don't understand this how, is how is. my brain works. The okay? very thing I like about this movie is that it is intellectually rigorous. <laughs> yeah, and like you can't jump into it. No. If no. anything, you need more. The jump is about as uh, painless as getting plugged into the animus. <laughs> and making a leap of faith. Making a leap of faith. The box office. Okay. The really, really bad box office. Christmas yeah. 2016. Yeah. What's... What time passes? I know, just a couple of years ago. Yeah. <coughs> we were doing this podcast. Yeah. It opened number five. 14 million. Right. So this is not... Oh, it's Rogue One? Yeah, I was just going to give you the final totals, though. Right. Rogue oh, One yeah. is number one. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. 54 uh-huh. domestic, Bad. 240 worldwide, which okay. is just about acceptable. Right. But they still apparently lost $100 million <laughs> on this movie with marketing and everything combined. Uh, but Ben's, you know, chipping away at that. At that red. I'm contributing. Yeah. I'm telling you, they should make a sequel, and they should set it in... They're, what would be like a cool thing I haven't seen from history? They're doing a Netflix anime series. Are they? Oh, really? Yeah. Is it going to be connected to this or it's just I don't think so. And I would guess it's probably going to be like- A little more hack. Well, I just think it's going to be a little more like just sort of the fights. And I I would assume that it's going to be somewhat of a like every episode's a different time period or something. kind of. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's um, my guess. I mean, that seems to be the way that all these things are going because it's now like- you don't hear a lot of video game movies in active development, and there's more and more like they're doing Witcher for Netflix. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a big one. Huge one. Uh, they, that one they're sinking a lot. A ton into. Yeah. Number one is Rogue One in its second weekend. Yeah. Only dipped 38%, which People is very People forget that that's like one of the 10 highest grossing movies of all time. Such a huge movie. Yeah. Humongous. Let's see where it actually is. Hey, uh, and while Eleven. he's doing that, yeah. so it uh, just got knocked Genghis yeah. Khan mm-hmm. sequel. You want the sequel to be Genghis Khan? We have to assassinate Genghis Khan. Do you know what knocked it out? What knocked out uh, Rogue One? Mm-hmm. So it's a January movie? Was it split? No, all time. Oh, oh, oh. What knocked it out all time of from 10, 10 to 11? Uh, Incredibles? Correct. Yeah. Hey, did you know that it's a lot funny of, that's in the top a lot of people yeah. share uh, g- uh, genetics with Genghis Khan? Yeah, he had, yes, he yes. made love to so many people. Uh, dude yeah, he made love to them. That's what he was doing, definitely. Yeah. Every yeah. time it was love definitely, is definitely a love the most scenario. Right. Um, uh, he that's a guy who made hate. Uh sure. Um he hate fucked his way across the globe. <laughs> Number two is a film that passed in Griffin's faces half tilted and sort of meh. He left it all on the bed. Um and it was not kind. No good, very bad, don't do it. Don't be Genghis Khan. I want to. Can I use my platform for a second to say this, David? Yeah, guys, let, let him use his platform. Guys, what are you thinking? Don't be Genghis Khan. Genghis. Genghis Khan. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, what about Kublai Khan? Uh, like yeah, uh, Benedict it. Wong. Do it. Okay. Yeah. Koopa Troopa. Do it. <laughs> Super Troopers. Do it. Hey. Super Troopers. All right. Number two. 
mm-hmm. at the box office. Do you know who's a guy? I'm sorry, just just because Fucking we just did that. God. Do you know who's a guy? I'm really angry at myself for leaving off my best supporting actor list at the Blankies. <sighs> the dude who played young Colin Firth in Mamma Mia Two. You like that guy? Is unbelievable. Yeah, he's good. That is the best I've ever seen an actor impersonate another more famous actor. Uh, I'm finding his name for you because he's in some TV show. I yeah. think he's from uh, one of those. Um, let's find. Yeah. I saw that with our friend Ramona. Hugh Skinner. And we were losing our fucking minds you know, during he's the good. Waterloo scene. Um, yeah. Hugh Skinner. He's in Fleabag. Right. He's a right, flea, right. He's a fleabagger. Right. He's her ex-boyfriend on that. Uh, he also, I think, is um, in the soapy Windsor's. It doesn't matter. Okay. okay. Look. Number two at the box office. Mm-hmm. Rogue One, by the way, made $96 million in its second week. Crazy. Number two, which made $75 million over, I think, several days. Written by uh, past guest... In not Rogue ways. One, yes. Not forget, we're going to number two. Okay, number two. Number I, two. I was just trying to think of more things to interrupt no. him with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a movie a that past bit. and future guest, Katie Rich, uh-huh. I believe it is her son's favorite movie. It's her son's favorite movie? Yes, and I have a video of him singing along to a sequence in this movie. Moana? Nope. Uh, but it is, oh, Sing? Bingo. One of those, another thing he that loves made so much the sequence, apparently, where Taron Egerton is a pig, sings Elton Johnson. Excuse me, he's not a pig, he's a gorilla. Oh, okay. Then because he Peter also, Serafinowicz is his gorilla dad. Okay, fine. He likes that, but he also likes the sequence, I think, maybe, someone sings My Way in the movie? I believe Nick Kroll and Reese Witherspoon are the pigs. Fine. I've not seen this film. I have a video of him singing My Way, it's very cute. I, a thing I am low-key obsessed with in my stupid internet rabbit hole way is, uh, you know that phenomenon with like CGI movies where they put out press photos that's like the voice actor posing mm. with their animated <laughs> like back to part. back. Right, they no. make it look like they were on the same like Annie Leibovitz shoot. The ones for Sing are like very self-serious. They're like very dramatic. And there's one that's like Nick Kroll giving like ultimate serious actor face standing next to a pig in a spandex onesie. <sighs> Can you tell me the final total on Sing? Uh, like 260. Uh, two seventy. Insane. Very, Very huge hit. Yeah, huge, uh, humongous movie. Worldwide. Yeah. Number three, we saw it together. We saw it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's not Jumanji comes out the following year. That's the next year, right? Ugh. Right. And we don't like it. Oh, oh, it's Passengers. There you go. Yeah. Pasta. Um, you know that's that movie opened to twenty nine, ended up at one hundred domestic. It's kind yeah. of a good like artifact. Mm-hmm. That sort of encapsulates just like toxic masculinity. Well, I mean, look, here's my argument with that movie. And it somehow, how would that get, how did that get made? I'll, I'll tell you why. That was like one of the hottest scripts in Hollywood. Why? And it, because talked about this. it was a movie about creepiness. Ugh. But the script was so hot that then they were like, well, we have to get big director. We have to get the two biggest stars. And we can't have the biggest stars playing creeps. So let's act like this is charming and romantic, which made it creepy. Do you know what I'm yes, saying? Like yes. the movie is supposed to be about it's a, reverse creepy. a person making a terrible decision and living yes. with that guilt. Right. And instead they were like, well, but it's going it to cost a lot of money because it's in a spaceship. So let's make it like Chris Pratt. And also he should be kind of like a nice guy. So then it becomes a movie that's like excusing his creepiness and trying to get you to go like, Ugh. but come on, love. God. Could have been a great film as like a fucking Black Mirror episode. Sure. Like that's what it was written to be. Number four is a movie that doesn't exist. Number four is a movie that doesn't exist. Final and- total? $60 million. Okay. It's opening this week to 15 above Assassin's Creed, wow. which made 14. And it exists less than Assassin's Creed. If I told you about this movie, you would remember what it was. Was I it told, an Oscar play at all or was it no. commercial play? Okay. Commercial. If I told someone else about this movie, they'd be like, nah. 
That's I'm a, the only a, person who remembers that it exists. No, I'm just saying you remember any movie. Right, right sure. You know, like, it's just like, if I went up to a person on the street and I was like, did you know that X, X and X, X, Y and Z were in, like, this movie about this and so it like, came out, three like, big stars? a couple years ago? Yeah. This T- is a... Two names. Give me the genre. Comedy. It's comedy. This is like a, a first sale at Best Buy movie. 100%. It's not Father Figures. No. But it falls into that kind of category. Kind of, yeah. Right, because it's always bad when they dump a comedy yes. that isn't a family comedy on Christmas. That's it's another kind like, of tax a family write-off comedy. Thing. But I think it was rated R, maybe not. It's not Bad Mom's Christmas. No. Yeah, it was rated R. Wow, so it's an R-rated kind of family comedy with two names in it. Yes. And are they... They're not like colossal, but they're names. Are they mostly comedy people, or are they people stepping outside of their usual wheelhouse? One of them stepping outside a little bit. It's not Daddy's Home. No. Ugh. Seriously, um, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. It's got somebody in it who is pretty uh, problematic. Mm-hmm. Correct. Someone who has been canceled since the release of this movie, or at least is on the canceling block. He's on the block. He's on the block. He's kind of evaded cancellation. Interesting. And he feels like, how has that not happened yet? Yeah. We can talk about it once he, well, when you guess what this movie is. Not Sean Penn. No. Um, comedy. He's been on the block. He's skirted by... Uh, uh, give me another hint. The title is a question. The title's a question? <laughs> oh. Yeah. You're right. This movie does not no. exist. No, it doesn't it's exist. It's called Why Him? Yeah. And uh, legislation was passed in 2017 to strike it from the congressional record. It was thrown out of the Library of Congress. Jonah Hill weirdly has a story by credit yeah, yeah, yeah. on that movie. I think it must have been some movie they had developed for him long ago, yeah. maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's Brian Cranston's the dad. Right. Zoe Deutsch, I believe, is the daughter. Right. Zoe Deutsch, who was like 20 at the time Very of young. filming. And uh, it's like, what if your daughter dated James Franco? Yeah. And he's kind of like a, I don't know. Idiot! Like I, I don't even know what his deal is. He's right, like it's, a stoner. Yeah. It's like meet the he parents like from the side top. of the dad, where sure. it's like, what if y- the nightmare was your son was your daughter was dating? But it's rated R. Yeah, that's a weird. But doesn't it film. feel like some movie that they were ordering the same time as The Sitter, and then yes. it just kind of got like you know uh-huh. tossed over? Yeah, there I obviously was, haven't right. seen it. Right, it's a, a Hamburg movie. People forget also that like Jonah Hill kind of like took a while after Superbad to make another vehicle. Um, like, he clearly was a guy who was, like, turning down a lot of obvious vehicles. Right, And right, studios right, right. wanted him to make more R-rated comedies. Yeah. So I think he developed a lot of half-premises. Uh, right. Because right, he doesn't right. really, like, star in a comedy between Superbad and uh, Get Him to the Greek. Huh. Which, at that point, it's, like, three years. Yeah. And then he doesn't have another good comedy until... Talking about Jump Street. So it was like either he'd take yeah. a supporting part in something or he would do like. Yeah, he does a lot of supporting parts. Cyrus. Or he does like, like Cyrus. Like either it'd be a small movie and he was a big part or he like yeah. shows up for a scene in an Apatow. He did get him to the Greek though. That was the one I'm saying. That was like, he was like, I turned down all these big comedies they offer me because I want to develop my own thing. But get the, to the Greek was like, you waited for that one, and then he gets his group. Right. The Sitter comes out in 11, right. but wasn't it supposed to come out earlier? I don't remember. That was supposed to be, like, yeah, one of his big follow-ups. Yeah. Sitter was another one where, like, I remember reading that script and being like, this is amazing. This is an incredible blacklist script. And it's one of those things where you're like, it kind of only works as a writing sample, and you can't really make it. Yeah. 
Like, it's funny on paper to just imagine an adult saying those things to kids. And Why? then once you actually put it on screen, you're like, this makes no, me we, uncomfortable. Yeah, because your uh, sister auditioned for it. We yeah, my sister got very close. It was down to we her, about it. Yeah. the girl who got the part, and uh, uh, Teresa Gadis's daughter from Real Housewives yeah, of New Jersey. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and Romley was not an actor, but she somehow got very close to getting that part. Yeah. Um, some other movies. We got Moana, as you mentioned. We got Fences. Uh-huh. La La Land. <laughs> what a weird time. La La Land made... Uh, 120? $151 million wow. domestic, 440. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's, uh, it's yeah. It's a great movie. It's fun. Um, Fences, 57. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good movie, too. I really like Fences. Yeah. Um, Office Christmas Party is hanging around. Kate McKinnon is great in that. Uh, Collateral Beauty is is not hanging around, is leaving. It's yeah. on its way out. Uh, yeah. Hidden Figures coming out. The Patriots Day. A lot of the, you know, Silence. You yeah. know, a lot of the Oscar players. I still get Tony angry. Erdman. Yeah, Tony Erdman. Bucks. Uh, I still get angry when I think about the fact that you remember to give Best Supporting Actress to Condi Alexander. It was a great moment by me. Right, because I saw in theaters and I was like, this is definitely she's my a, pick. She's a griff pick. Yeah. Right, and then I just forgot until she you was, said. She was a dog pick. Barf, barf, barf. She got the golden bone. She got the golden bone. <laughs> I don't know. So did I do okay? You did a great job. You kidding me? All right, I just wanted you to did make a, sure. You did You did. Yeah, this great. movie's hard to kind of wrap your head around. Wait, there was something we were talking about right before we started recording, and then I demanded we have to start recording because we need this on mic. You said something crazy right before <laughs> we started recording. Uh, it's about David being the dog. It was about you. <laughs> Do you remember this? I yes. remember that he says that it wasn't oh. about this movie. So in high school, yes, my high school, they we didn't have. Um, David was talking about speaking foreign languages because you wanted us Spanish. We right. wanted us to read the whole paragraph in Spanish, right? And we said we don't really speak Spanish. And then I said, in my school, we didn't have any foreign languages. They didn't teach foreign languages. They t- just had a swearing class. Okay, thank you all for listening. <laughs> Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Grudo for our social media, uh, Pat Reynolds and uh, Joe Bowen for our artwork. Thanks to Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Thanks to Ben for hosting the show. Ben's choice. Thanks for letting me do it, guys. What's your next choice? King Ralph. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe King Ralph. Yeah. I see. The thing is, though, is that now I feel like scumbumery is my thing. Uh huh. And so I feel like maybe it's a scumbum. Flick. It's the only thing is is the balance of will we maybe Such cover as. Such as? I mean, high time. High I mean, time? Good time. Oh, good time. I I thought high because I got high when I saw it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that movie, you know, um, you were never really there. Here. <laughs> Whatever. Where? <laughs> you know what? I'm, I don't know if you heard, but the movie has the mend. Uh-huh. Right now, he should watch The Mend. The Mend? Yeah. What's The Mend? The John Magrie movie. I don't think I know this movie. Really? Yeah. What movie is this? You know, jo- Josh Lucas. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. No, you would love Scumbum that film. Movie. Why was I not? I don't know. Yes, I forgot that movie is called that. The Mend. You should watch that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But we'll see. I, you know, I only do these every once in a while, so it'll probably be uh, a ways from now. Speaking of, though, should we, I'm sure we already did, but should we announce what next week is? Oh, that's a good question. Yes. Is it a burger report? No, it's it's very serious. It's been a long time since we did a burger report. Yeah, they stopped coming in. (laughs) All right, sorry. 
Sorry, serious news. We thought news. that tap was never going to stop flowing. Right. And in fact, it, the it tap. started really dripping. Uh, David, mm-hmm. I have a very important news update, which is why we had to interrupt. Hit me. Oh, we got to read we it. Oh, we got to read the she here. <laughs> Rip it off a big fax machine. Here okay. you go. Oh, my God. Let me. Hot off over the, the telex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot off the presses. We're on the case. That's right. And next week is going to be a very special episode on the man himself. Detective Pikachu. Pika Pika? Pika Pika. Uh, so grab your coffee mugs. Grab your tickets. Start looking for clues. Go see the movie. About. Because this is, this is why it's a very special episode. We're going into the Pokeverse. We're going pretty <laughs> deep into the Pokeverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benji Salmon. Yep. Dan Hernandez. That's right. Screenwriters of Detective Pikachu. Correct. On the show are going to tell us how the Pika sausage is made. Yeah. Sometimes people ask us, because we, we were kind of sort of context, how we know all this stuff. They ask us questions, why didn't you weigh in on this? We don't know the answers to other things. So we're trying to get some context. We're trying to get some context. Hot tap of context. Hot tap of context <laughs> for Detective Pikachu. Yep. So now we're going to take you out of the future and, and drop you back into your uh, regular episode. Here is where we announce the next two miniseries. You want to announce both right now? Yeah, I say I okay. think we should because I think people need time to prepare. And also, no one's guessed either of these, so it's going to blow their minds. But don't you think so? Don't you think people need time to prepare? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The second one especially. Um, yeah. Take it away, David. Oh, you want me to take it away? I mean, these are kind of more your guys. Well, no, wait a second. Well, they are my... Okay, look. Well, next... I, know, I just want to give you the pleasure of announcing them. I'm not saying, like, they're yours. Take care of it. I'm saying, like... Be gleeful. I mean, these are two guys you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is my guy, Michael yeah. Mann, the great Michael Mann, the great American filmmaker of my life, uh, the best one. He's the best one. You challenging me? I, no, I'm saying he's my Burton. I'm letting you say this. For this all right, reason. all right, all yeah. right, all right, all right. Um, is who we're doing next? Uh-huh. We're doing Michael Mann. I've wanted to do him. Since we started this, I guess. Right. And there have been uh, production delays and budget conflicts. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, an intimate, you know, drama suddenly costs $150 million for some reason. Right. Somehow every episode of this miniseries has ballooned to $200 million in nine months of filming. Um, and Ben has had to re each episode six hates times. each other. Right. Yeah. 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 And we keep, dis- yeah, we keep disagreeing on which 80s cover like should be the theme of this sort of wordless uh action sequence in the middle of our episode every every week the previous episodes of this miniseries will be re-released in radically different cuts yeah uh (laughs) where we're changing the order we're gonna have to talk about that because some of these director's cuts must be avoided at all all costs right miami vice is the one don't watch the director's cut terrible interesting ruins the movie interesting it's an unruinable movie, but no, the director's cut is worse. That does, I mean, it is going to make this miniseries tricky because it's like uh, he, he, he keeps on futzing with these movies. Yeah, I mean, Miami Vice is the one he futzes with the most. He, he will always like, he'll add like eight more seconds to every so often. Yeah. But just, they're all right. very similar. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Michael Mann. We're the Ali, I haven't seen that expanded. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah. And of course, then Black Hat, which we're doing a lot of investigative work on. Just how deep we can go on its director's cut. Yeah, we yeah we want. Oh my god, it's gonna be so good. You gotta wear the hat, folks. Men, we're gonna be men. Okay, well we need don't. a title. Oh, for the miniseries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the cast of the Potheekins feels a little tasteless. Yes. But but that the problem is so many of his other titles are one word. 
Also true. Yeah. Pod podcast enemies. Public and a cast. Oh boy! Oh, it stinks in here. All of a sudden. What's the next longest title? That one. Because I'm thinking like Manhunter, Thief, Collateral, Ali. Yeah. The only two word titles are The Keep, Miami Vice, and Public Enemies. Boy, I have no idea what the fuck we're calling this thing. Man, man, cast. Man. Once again, great optics. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's gonna be great. Uh, And then, yes. What if we call it Two and a Half Man? Who's the half? Me. I'm a little. <laughs> wow. All I'm right. A little guy. I don't know. Man, 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 Michael, man, man, man. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Yeah. I can't do Michael. <laughs> and then after Michael, man. Yeah. Uh, this is a longer term thing, but yeah. it's kind of, I just feel like we should alert the viewers because his movies are a little harder to find. He is a man who pointedly does not allow his films to be available on any digital services. Exactly. I tried to. I literally reached out to the American dis- distributor mm-hmm. to see if there's anything on the horizon of no. the streaming, and no, they no, no. confirmed no. I, I talked to this guy a bunch at a, at like a, a a party. I sat next to him at a screening and was talking to him about it. The mm-hmm. G-Kids who controls... Uh, right. The filmography, obviously, the director we're talking about is Walt Becker. Um, no, we're, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, and he does not believe in digital rental or streaming. No. Nor should he. So you can buy physically, but also, they tend to re-release these films every summer. In theaters. In a, in a pretty wide way. Yeah. You know, they're limited screenings, but they're playing at most theaters. You can check your local, local multiplexes, and there's a good chance... They'll be playing some of them over the summer. So we want to give you the heads up so that if you see an opportunity to go catch Porco Rosso in June, exactly. that you know it's on the horizon. And uh, use your library, too. Your, yes, yes. This, is, this is the kind of... Like, these are good these, library movies. Yeah, these are definitely going to be available at your library. And also say this, I mean, they're pretty widely distributed in terms of physical media, even as that is a dwindling thing. Sure. They are some of like the only movies that you can still find in like any Best Buy. Mm-hmm. As like the DVD section of a Best Buy increasingly becomes a corner, right? They right. do stock these, and these movies still sell really well in physical media because they that's do. their one. I have the box outlet, um, and so you want to do an animator every year. I like the idea of doing an animator. I think I like that idea too. And we have other animators we'd like to do sometime. Like and a lot of them Bluth, are very short filmographies. Blues is another long one, but yeah, a lot of them. No, are- it's not that long. Well, he's got some pictures. We combined, we would combine some of them. We'd combine a couple. Yeah. I don't, Thumbelina yeah. doesn't need its own episode. No, it just needs a little episode. Yeah, exactly. It needs a thumb sized episode. <laughs> uh, Musker and Clements, we could do. Yeah. Takahata, we could do. Yeah. Uh, uh, who's a very short film. Well, well I'm really yeah. excited to do this because I know nothing about anime. I've actually literally never seen a- an anime movie before. Uh, I've only seen uh, two of his films. Which one? Uh, Spirited Away and uh, Totoro. I, I am admittedly at uh, like a uh, neophyte. This is going to be fun. And I've never been able to fully get on board. But I haven't tried watching his films in a very long time. And I know I'm in the wrong. And I want to, uh, to be educated. Yeah. Um, so that is our future plan. So now you can stop guessing. Now you can stop guessing. Those are the next two directors. Then after that, we do whoever won the bracket. Who is? Jonathan. Demi. Of course. Yes. We, we knew course. all along. I honestly, I didn't see that coming. That Demi would win. Yeah. Well, I mean. And of course, the current um, ratio between the US dollar and the euro is 
1 euro equals 1.13 United States dollar. Well, now you're just giving me more work to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I wanted you to just look up what the, you know, front page of the New York Times was in May 11th, 1912. And it was boat disaster. And I'm glad that, that we all learned that. <laughs> And of course, you know, at the time we're recording this, you know, of course, we're recording this right when it's about to come out. Uh, the most uh, insane thing that Donald Trump tweeted that day was. Had a long and very good conversation with President Putin of Russia. As I have always said, long before the witch hunt started, getting along with Russia, China, and everyone is a good thing, not a bad thing. We discussed trade, Venezuela, Ukraine, North Korea nuclear arms control and even the russian hoax very productive talk wow what a piece of trash <laughs> is there any more we want to do uh number one at the domestic box office is pokemon detective pikachu top selling apple is gala apples <laughs> oh boy all right sometimes you get the choice but the choice chooses you. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So, uh, man, Miyazaki. Man, Miyazaki. Will it top this Assassin's Creed episode? Likely not. Probably not. Untoppable. Untoppable. Um, but uh, no, it'll be so good. Oh my god, Michael, man, you're excited. I am excited. I'm just genuinely going crazy now, trying to think how we name this miniseries because I, I think we might have to fully break format. I mean, Michael Mann's name doesn't work cleanly with podcasts. No. So it's like, is it something where we come up with another man pun? Because I don't know if any of the titles work either. Like, do we call it like Man of the House or something? But then it's like, then we're losing the podcast thing. Podcast Vice. I'm getting so stressed out trying to figure out how to do this. Um, <laughs> podcast Hunter. What about Podcast Lateral? That doesn't work. I mean, it's not doesn't it's not a word right. <laughs> like it doesn't like even resemble. Well, hey, buddy, I hate to tell you this. It might not be a word. Podcast, Whatever we end up like, calling podcast it, podcast hunter is pretty solid, actually. Podcast hunter is one word, so it's sort of funny. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I think everything I just said is true. I mean, I'm not laughing. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. You're laughing. The yeah. pod keep. The pod. Keep. I mean, what? what? The podcaster. What's what's that? Insider. I don't know. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, Miami podcast. Black hat. What are we talking? Maybe it's just Miami podcast. Maybe it's just literally Miami, Miami pod. Pod. Podami vicecast. Like yeah. we could do like sort of the more old fashioned where we just sort of splooge the words in. Yeah. All right. I don't know. You're, you're losing your mind right now. Thank you all for listening. Yep. I said all the other stuff before, and then now I'm going to continue. Media res. Right. Uh, go to uh, Reddit, uh, blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to T-Bubble for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, go to the Patreon. Subscribe to Blank Check. Uh, special features. Yep. Um, and as always, yeah. uh, we, we didn't discuss it in the episode, so we should just <laughs> mention that there is a, a horrifying section of Michael Fassbender's Wikipedia. Uh, based around a uh, restraining order filed against him by an ex-girlfriend who claims that he uh, committed horrible acts of violence against her. Um, but I just think we should mention that so that the episode ends strong <laughs> and everyone walks away having a good time. Yeah, yeah. No, she, yeah, she, she alleges some terrible things. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's bad. 
bad. Uh, yep. Yep. No, I mean, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm actually not even remembering. Yeah, she filed a restraining order yeah. against him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really, really awful. But uh, go buy some apples. <laughs>